I get a call and it's Gronk. Um, and it, it, it basically it's, it's Gronk saying like, I'm retiring. And I was like, like that day. Yeah. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have this announcement in like 30 minutes, but in 20 minutes, if you want to report it, you can say that it came from me. When I was in high school, I don't think I would have transferred because my mindset would have been, Oh, I'll make it. I'll make it later on. Right. I'll make, I'll, I'll play three years and I'll win the Heisman and I'll get drafted number one overall and I'll get my money later. Like jokes on me now where it's like, oh, well, maybe I should have, you know, taken advantage when you were 17 and 18 and like the, the hottest thing ever. I'm a lot more calm being the guy than I was being like the third guy. What is an NFL quarterback room like? So two years ago, I trained Sam Darnold and Josh Allen and Kyle Allen. That was my draft class. I think that this league is filled with opportunities and the guys that, that stay in the league for a long time are the guys that take advantage of those opportunities. And I'm just a big believer in repetition. And I'm a big routine guy and goals never end. And I'm just a big, 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 And I'm a big routine guy and goals, Once I stepped on that field today, I was good, man. All right, everybody. Welcome back. I think this is episode seven of The Room. Um, it's just me today. I know you guys are sad Jordan's not here, but uh, Jordan, I don't know if you guys knew this, Jordan took a job with the XFL and XFL starting up. Crazy, right? Another football league, but XFL starting up. He's got all the XFL quarterbacks in Orange County right now. He's got them in for the whole week. He's training them. He's developing them. And I think actually XFL doesn't start till January. So XFL is going to sending their quarterbacks out to Jordan to have him develop them before the season. I think they're coming out at a week at a time. Um, so you just got me today. Sorry for it. But we wanted to still do a show this week. We didn't want to skip a week. I think it's it's good that we got the weekly cadence going and then we're going to keep getting you guys content and stuff around the quarterback position. But a little bit of a different show today since it's just me. I didn't think you guys would want to hear me just spitting my takes on random facts. So we got a couple guests on this week, actually. A couple really good guests, too. So for those of you who don't know and are new to the show, uh, welcome. For those of you who have listened for the first couple of weeks, thanks for coming back. Appreciate it. Give us anything you guys got, any feedback. Uh, my name's Kyle Allen, quarterback for the Houston Texans, fifth year in the league, bounced around for a long time, and um, co-host Jordan Palmer, who's not here right now. Um, this is the room, the quarterback room. We're just trying to bring everyone from the outside into the quarterback room, bring you guys in on conversations that are had around the quarterback position and just what we talk about in the room. Could be anything, could be scheme, could be football, could be pop culture, could be random shit, but we're just trying to keep it real and bring you guys into the room. So um, welcome. Our Instagram account, The Room with Kyle and Jordan, follow us there. Um, watch us on YouTube, subscribe to us on YouTube, The Room. I think that's probably the most important thing you can do is watch and subscribe on YouTube. We're trying to get those numbers up and and it's been, it's been great. I think we already have over a thousand subscribers and the first six or seven episodes. So thank you. Uh, keep commenting too. We're reading your comments. Uh, we're on TikTok too. So hit us at all spots. So for this week, we said it's going to be a little bit different. We wanted to keep the conversation on this show always around quarterback play, around quarterbacks, around the quarterback room. You know, we've brought on different quarterbacks each week, but this week I think we want to bring on a couple guests. And so we're going to switch it up a little bit. We're going to start the week with a childhood friend of mine, um, one of the best players in the league, in my opinion, I'm a little biased, but it's in my opinion. Probably wouldn't say that to his face. But he reset the receiver market this offseason. There's no question about it. Totally reset the wide receiver market. Christian Kirk from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Probably one of the most cerebral football players that I've been around. And why I think he is the perfect 
person to have on the show as the first non-quarterback. I think he thinks like a quarterback. And there's a lot of receivers that you play with that don't. And they kind of know the routes and they know what they're doing and where the paper says for them to go. But Christian knows the why. And it's the best receivers in the league know the why and they know the coverages. And so I'm just pumped to kind of have those conversations with you guys listening in me and him talk about coverages and everything like that all the time and, and what he's seeing out there and how to be quarterback friendly at a receiver position. So I think it's gonna be awesome for you guys to hear from him on that. So that's going to be our first guest. All right. Our second guest that we're going to have on a um, little bit of a different angle we're going for here, but I think this is going to be a different perspective, a cool perspective for you guys to hear. His name is Jordan Schultz. He's an NFL insider. He's very popular on Instagram, on Twitter. I'm sure if you follow the NFL, you've probably seen him. He breaks a lot of the stories. He broke Rob Gronkowski, uh, Rob Gronkowski retiring last year. Um, but I think it's going to be a really cool angle to see because he has really has his finger on the pulse of the league. He has his finger on the pulse of these teams and he understands what's going on. And, and a lot of times, like I've been on teams before where we don't find out what's going on with our own team until we see it on Twitter. I remember when I was in Carolina, our head coach got fired and Ron Rivera and I didn't find out that day until I saw it on Twitter. So in this day and age of football and of media, these guys tend to know a lot more than the actual player knows, which is crazy in my opinion, but we're going to get his, his thoughts on a lot of the quarterback stuff around the league. And, you know, Mac Jones is getting hurt, Dax out, um, different quarterback things with Jimmy and Trey up in San Francisco. So I think he's going to have a lot of good perspective on that. I'm excited for that one. All right. And then the last guest we're going to have on today, the trifecta, um, we're going to have on Max Brown. I think a lot of you guys remember that name. I for sure remember it because he was the year before me coming out of high school. He was the number one quarterback in the country. Um, in 2013, I was 2014 quarterback. He was national Gatorade player of the year. Um, obviously had a colorful college football career. I think he's the first one to tell you. He's posted lots of videos about um, how tough it was for him and all the different trials and tribulations he's been through. But as of now, he's working with the Pac-12 network. He's got his finger on college football. Um, you guys know that I'm not the most in the know about college football. That's more Jordan's thing. But I think it's going to be great for him to get on here and talk about college football quarterback play. I'm interested to hear his perspective as someone who is watching every weekend and watching from a quarterback's lens, what he thinks about the quarterback play, because there's a lot of guys that are going to play high at a high level at the college level that may not transfer to the NFL level. And then there's some guys who may not play as well at the college level, but when they find the right spot in the NFL, they thrive. So I would love to get his opinion on those things and, I think it's going to be a great lineup of guests. So tune in. First one we got up is Christian Kirk. We're just going to let these three interviews ride. So I hope you guys enjoy the conversations around quarterback play from, from all these different perspectives. I know I'm going to. So here we go. Derek, you better yell. Show me the money. All right. Our first guest of the day, our first non-quarterback guest. I've been lobbying to have this guy on for a while. I'm going to read you off a couple of stats real quick before we get to him. He has more yards than Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, and Devontae Adams so far this year. Only Stefan Diggs has more receiving touchdowns than him so far this year. He's averaging 14.8 yards per catch and is tied for second in the NFL in 20-plus yard receptions with five. Right now, he's got 18 catches, 267 yards. On pace, I don't want to put a lot of pressure on him, but he's on pace for 102 catches, 1,500 yards. 17 touchdowns, still heavily overpaid. Christian Kirk, how are we doing? The most overpaid. 
receiver in the league. The Let's most. Go. It's not even close. It's not even close, really. If you look at it, you look at the numbers. <laughs> I, haven't, I haven't. I appreciate you reading off those stats. I didn't. I didn't know any of that. To be honest, does with that you. make you feel weird when you hear your own stats? Yeah, I try not to look at them because I. I don't know about you, but like, you know, when you get like, I feel like when you dive down into that hole, you just like start going down it even deeper and deeper, and then you're just like, nah. I, I can't do this. And it's like one way or another too, right? It's like, if it's really good, then like, you're like, oh yeah, I'm the man. And then if it's bad, you're like, holy shit, I suck. Yeah. And then like, I don't know, for a receiver too, I don't know if you feel this way, but like if a pass isn't completed, like let's say I have like a big post and it doesn't get completed. I'm just like in my head, like, well, there goes 70 yards and a touchdown. And then you're Ooh, like, think about it know? like that. And then, yeah. like, especially if you end up with having 30 at the end of the game, you're like, I could have had 115 and a touchdown. But You know what's always the weirdest is when they show the stats in the stadium. Yes. And like, especially <laughs> quarterbacks. I don't know if it's weird for you, but, like, you're sitting on the bench and it's always on the banner of the stadium and you have, like, the perfect view at it. And I'll look up and I remember, I think we were playing the Titans um, in 2019 and I started, like, bad that game. I was, like, 4 of 13. And I looked up and I was like, all right, I got to get this thing up to like 50% at least, like at least over 50 right now. Yeah. Cause like, like you said, like if you're, especially at the QB position, if you're like, okay, yeah, that was a good driver. I feel like I'm, I'm in a little bit of a groove and you look up and you're four of 13. You're like, oh shit. Yeah. This, this isn't going as I thought. Yeah. It's, I mean, stats don't matter. Wins and losses matter. But at the end of the day, stats kind of do matter, especially when you're getting paid and going into free agency like you were this year. But um, we were having you on today as our first non-quarterback guest because, in my opinion, from everyone I've ever played with, you, outside of the quarterback position, you think the most like a quarterback. And so when we have people on here, we want to have quarterback conversations. I think it's really important for receivers to think like a quarterback. So I want to try and get your perspective on quarterback play, on what you're thinking about, and how you're working with quarterbacks. So we're going to start off with a segment. It's called Teach Tape. We do this okay. with a lot of our quarterbacks. Um, going to pull up one of your clips from one of the games from the last game. Actually, we play the Chargers this week, so I've been watching your film. Okay, it was a tough start for you, but you ended up having a good game. Um, yeah, it started off slow. I was like, I watched the film. Like, like when yeah. does he get the ball? <laughs> well, I watched the film yesterday, <laughs> just watching their defense, right? And then I was like, today, I was like, all right, I'm gonna try and find a clip of Kirk, and like, it almost looked like they were trying to double you and like bracket you, and like you were part of their game plan, big, but. Yeah. So we're going here, right? So we got play action to the right. This is a route that you and me have worked on kind of a lot in the off season. Some, yeah. te some teams call this a V like an angle seven. Um, when you're looking at this coverage, right? So pre-snap, you guys have a motion. He's coming across. No one moves with him. Yep. But we know in this defense and you've probably done this from scouting report that that's not always the best man indicator for you. Nope. Comes over. I'll just let you talk us through it. Talk us through like through, the whole play when we talk to quarterbacks we talk what's your pre-snap thoughts what are your pre-snap thoughts going into this play yeah i mean you made a good point like you know especially with motion and with this defense in general this is like that vic fangio family type defense and so like number one coming into the week we knew that you know especially in the slot that they were a carry defense so you know for me i was going to face a lot of you know the nickel sam carrying me down the field and, you know, with Evan going in motion, no, no indicator, even if they were to go corners over still, there's a chance that they, they would be in zone. 
So this is like you said, like an angle seven, we call it a sail route. And then Zay is on what we call a pylon. So, you know, even in cliffs, you've probably seen as well, you know, we're kind of, it's twofold, right? Like if the corner, if they don't carry and the corner kind of drops and it has eyes on me and they drop Zay, we have a shot at the pylon over top. But if it turns into carry like it is now, Zay lifts the corner and it rolls into just middle field closed look. It's just me versus this guy was essentially a safety rolled down into, I guess that just a roll down safety and he's carrying me. So it's just me having to beat him. I try to sell eyes inside like I'm going across the field. He doesn't have as much help. So, you know, he's going to either try to undercut me or he's just try to wall me. And then I just had a win back outside. He held the absolute living out of me and I was able to, to separate, get the ball. Trevor threw a great ball on this, actually, because right when I got out of my route, the ball was stuck to my chest. Yeah, that was a hell of a ball. I'm surprised they didn't call holding on this or like illegal contact. Down they field did. So they, oh, they did. did. Yeah, they okay. did at the end of the play because I was like, and that that was Trevor's thinking as well. Is like I talked to him after the play. He was like, I was gonna get off of you because he was holding you so bad, but he's like, I'm gonna throw it regardless because it brings attention yep. to him holding you, and then we'll get the penalty regardless. So I thought that was smart as well. It is smart, and for him too, right? I'm just thinking from his point of view, protection willing. It's huge that he holds on you here, right? Because you look around. You play a team like this, super matchy. Even your checkdowns, a lot of the times, are not good because their backers are matching the checkdown. So he knows that it's basically you or nobody, right? If he checks it down to the back here, they get two or three yards. It's still a positive play, but it's you or nobody. And for him to, like, this takes a lot of offseason work for him to hold on you while you're fighting, 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 knowing that you're going to cross facing, come flat, and still throw that ball on time. Like, that's how good teams play. No, 100%. And it's like, that trust factor is there, which I think is pretty cool. Like this is our third game together and we really haven't had, cause like you look back to the Colts week, like and we kind of came into the mindset as well. Cause this is like that bend don't break style defense. You know, we kind of had to like dink and dunk our way down the field. I think this is like our own, one of our only, you know, explosives that we had furthest ball we threw down the field. So just for him to be able to just sit there and trust it, and you know let me go win was i thought that was sick super frustrating defense to play against right oh yeah it's it's you know like the past two weeks we're talking about 13 14 play drives which we did but like it's just you look at the game plan you're like we're not throwing the ball past 25 yards because there's there's no point yeah and like you guys end up win 38 i think you won 38 to 10 and like you watch that first half and it's a struggle out there like you guys kind of stalled out in the red zone. Like you weren't great in the red zone early in the game. You got some turnovers, which helped a bunch, but like, this is a defense. I texted somebody today this because we're game playing for the Chargers this week. I'm saying like one of my old coaching friends from Washington, I said, what do you even do against defense like this? Cause everything like you see on film just looks like shit. Yeah. And you're like, and I guess even for you, even when you turn on our tape, you watch the first quarter, you're like, how did they score 38 points? <laughs> Literally. Yeah, like, there's no, like when you see a score like that, you think you're going to turn on the tape and it's bombs away. Like they're hitting shots after shots and just making all these. I mean, obviously we had a great day on the ground. I mean, we ran the hell out of the ball. James Robinson had a great day. Our offensive line played great. But you look at most of our passes, you know, Trevor's taking three-step drops, getting the ball out of his hand, taking his check downs and just like, being super disciplined and that was that was our plan and so everybody kind of had to just buy into it 
Yeah, it's tough to buy into it. When you're looking at this type of defense or just defenses in general, I know what quarter we talk about what quarterbacks look at. Like it's always interesting to have that conversation with quarterbacks. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about what your like study habits are. Like what are you actually looking at when you're looking at the film? So I I don't, you know, some some guys and I guess if you were to play like you know, if you're just a, a backside X and you know, you're, you're getting a lot of man coverage and you know, that's just what you do. You go backside, you went on stop route slants and, you know, go balls and you face a lot of man coverage. I guess I would watch one individual, but since I do a lot and I move around a lot, I'm looking at obviously coverages, what they do on first and second down, what they do in third, third down, two to three, third down, you know, four to six. And then, you know, third down 10 plus, and then I just look at tendencies, like how they play it. Um, we like our, our staff does a good job of like finding signals for us too. So like mm-hmm. you know, if I motion over and I can see that they're they're boxing or they're they're pack pack and they're getting to a certain thing, like I know okay, like I know how to attack this dude, and I'm gonna win by leverage already. You know that's what's so easy with my option routes, and like so many people are, I guess, talking about like me on the option route this season is. I already know what the defense is in. Like I know what coverage are in. So like I'm basically just messing with him the whole time. I know what he's doing. I know where he's going to lose. So like, that's just my thing is just like, granted who who we just paid the chargers. I knew they were a carry team. I knew Bryce Callahan was going to hang on my outside shoulder, everything Mm -hmm. that I was going to do. And he's going to try to funnel me to the safeties, which, which he did, you know, like that's what they did. Even some of the stuff, like I'm coming around showing like I'm in option and I just sit down and they kind of had a bracket on me and boom, we just throw a little, you know, shorty, we call it a shorty route behind them, you know? So like, I oh, think sweet. more for me, instead of like studying personnel, I study like tendencies and how they play the coverage itself. Yeah. So you're studying like a quarterback. I remember early in Basically, my career. Yeah. Yeah. Early in my career, like, you know, there's a lot of information going in your head earlier in your career. I wouldn't even like look at specific guys on the defense. I would just, look at overall coverage structure and and like in my brain, like no matter who was getting to those different spots, they're all trying to play like the similar coverage. And I know you're probably doing the same thing. You're looking at the nickel and you're looking at safeties most of the time. Right. Yeah. And like, I mean, you remember it too. Like when I first came to A&M and you know, you were there as well, that was the most helpful when we go in the room and sit down and just like pull up a cut up of how we were running, you know, 65 which was you know crossed her post curl with a go like if you when you would tell me hey look if it's back or divide once you pass the mic give me your eyes so i can rip it in there right there you know like it it doesn't say that on paper when you install 65 you know so and so just go talking through the scenarios and it's been great like trevor's so you know like open and open to like kind of receiving what i think about it and we're kind of we have two different kind of like brainwave lengths so we see things differently, but he's, he's super open. And to, instead of, you know, there are some guys that are just like, nah, I'm like running this way, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of guys and there's a lot of coaches that way too. There's a lot of yes. coaches who will like, if you're not a guy, like you're obviously the guy there. So you're going to have more leeway, but if you're not a guy, then a lot of coaches will just say, run it how it is on the paper. And it's honestly perfect. It goes into my next question is like, I think that is probably one of the most important things that you can do as a receiver is have feel think like a quarterback. Don't run it. Like it's on paper, 
you know, you got to have that feel of like, oh, I'm running this deep pylon route. Like, what is my distance between like the free safety in this corner that like I got to give him that room to throw? Like, what angle do I take that at? And for me, like when I was playing with Greg Olson, he was that guy. Yeah. I don't, if you, if you watch Greg Olson's tape and you put it up to our install, I don't think he ran a single route like it was drawn on paper. Yeah. And that kind of like taught me that the game isn't like scheme and it's not coaches. It's, it's players making plays out there and you've grown into that role. My question is, is when you look around the league right now in the modern receiver, like who did you model your game after that did those things? I mean, like, would you say like receivers to date or like, like that are playing now or in the past or whatever? Whatever, whatever, like the receivers you've modeled your game after. Yeah. I mean, like, I feel like, especially with my role now, um, it's pretty similar to, you know, like what Cooper cup does. And, and I guess it, it could be easy to say that, but that's like the biggest, that's the closest comparison. I mean, if somebody were to sit in a room and I were to explain to them or our offense coordinator would explain to them what I do for the offense, it's very similar to what, you know, Cooper does. And, you know, even, you know, that video went viral hearing him talk about, you know, when he ran an option versus three fire zone, you know, like, so it, funny. It, it's funny. Like, I, I mean, I don't think I could ever do that. Just, you know, be able to recall like that. Oh, it, it, I do that. that was, <laughs> yeah. Up. You know, they were bringing the three fire zone back on and Mike was going to go, go with the back and everyone you know, just beat him. So people were eating that up. Yeah. But like I, in regards to like feel and just being able to be on the same page as the queue. I mean, I would say like just it, Coop and just everything that he does. Yeah. Um, and I've even like pregame have been able to like talk with him and, and discuss with him and like his thinking and what he does and whatnot. He's super smart dude, super cool dude. And, you know, he, uh, you know, he watches a lot of guys around the league and whatnot, but yeah, I I would, I would say him and just, you know, his, his feel and ability to just, cause there's also like, there's also part of that is understanding like what we're trying to accomplish on that certain play. You know, if I know I'm the second read or I'm the third read, I may take a little bit more time to get, Mm -hmm. you know, two yards outside the hash. Or I may go a little deeper on my dagger before I get in there because I know he's reading post to the crosser, you know. So, um, but yeah, to answer your question, I was probably say Coop. Yeah, it's like what Aaron Rodgers said recently. It's, you you know, and you got to know the why about the play. Like why? I remember whenever we install plays, especially third down plays and red zone plays, my first question is why, who are we trying to get the ball? Like what look do we think we're going to get this against? And it's just, it, I mean, you have to wire your thinking that way because if not, you're just running freaking plays on a plate on a paper and you're going down the script, like it's practice. You know what I mean? So, yeah. All right. Uh, I want to kind of shift into free agency talk with you right now. You and me are in free agency this year. First mm-hmm. time we both together. I also uh, was thinking about this today. Um, we came out of college at the same time. You're only one year behind me in high school. But I think when I, when we were coming out of college, like you were declaring for the draft and I just basically was like, even though I had another year left, I was like, there's no way this motherfucker is going to be in the NFL and I'm going to be sitting in college. <laughs> I'm going for this shit, man. <laughs> Screw this. Um, but you hit free agency this year. Um, Leonard Fournette earlier this week, or I think it might've been a couple of weeks ago, I was talking on uh, the Pivot podcast about he was going to maybe sign with New England And Tom Brady goes, no, don't do that. I'm coming back. Like, stay here. I was wondering if you in free agency 
got calls from any like players where like, Hey, we need you here. Um, I didn't like, I didn't necessarily get like any calls from anybody like, Hey, we need you here. Obviously like Josh is one of our boys as everyone mm-hmm. knows. And so, you know, when we were on vacation, like talking yeah. about Buffalo and like, we're there. And like, but the funniest part about it is Josh is sitting there telling me, bro, Buffalo's not that cold. It's not that cold. You'll be fine. And I'm sitting here looking at him like, you're, you're lying to me. Like I, you're not going to be able to convince me that Buffalo is not cold. You're looking at his like fat ass body (laughs) in the hot tub with his shirt off being like, yeah, no shit. You're not cold. Yeah. Like, like, I know, I know it's like, I, I do not function well in, in, in cold and being able to to do that and just i know that it's cold there bottom line so for him to just be like yeah bro it's not cold i'm like oh okay yeah yeah for sure not selling point um (laughs) but now i want to say like i want to say anybody like called me and was like hey you know we need you here but i definitely it's crazy like when you hit free agency like i got a lot of like obviously the fan bases you know the fans bases like take it and run with it they like catch on to a storyline or something like that. And then you don't sign with their team and they, they hate you again. Storylines were hot that, that time of year. I mean, March begging for storylines at that time of year. So people are grabbing on anything. Um, exactly. You, uh, you told me this story about how you found out that the deal was done with the Jags. I kind of want to hear it again. <laughs> yeah. So I was in Bermuda on a family trip. It was me, my now fiance Ozzy. Shout out Ozzy! Um, shout out Ozzy, the best. And my really? parents. Um, we all went to uh, we all went to Bermuda for the week, and this was the week before free agency. So we had already had it booked, but it, it made sense. Like when it came down to it, you know, we're right before free agency, and you know, it, at, to, up to that point, like there's been a lot of moving parts and a lot of like you know, maybe this, maybe that some teams kind of like making a push. And I was like, you know, I kind of just want to like, you know, decompress, take my mind off of it, not worry about it, not really check my phone. And so I want to say it was like our second and last night we were there, we were all sitting down and we were having dinner and my agent texts me, Zeke. And he's like, Hey, like, call me now. Like I got news. Call me now. Like, all right. So I like call him and I like obviously know this about free agency. He's like, are you ready to hear this? And I'm like, oh man. And I'm like, I mean, I guess so. He's like, no, like, are, are you ready to hear this? He's like, are you, are you alone? Are you outside? I'm like, yeah, yeah. I like walked out of the restaurant. So he's like, all right, I just got off the phone and you know, I think, I think we're going to get something done. And so I'm like, all right, what, like, what, what are we going to do? So he's like, the Jags are going to offer you four years, 72 million. And I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm like, and so, but like, but backstory on this, like a lot of teams that my agent was talking to was like, they were into like kind of preface this. They were in like the 14 to $15 million range. Mm-hmm. So like, obviously that and that alone in itself was like where I had hoped to land, but mm-hmm. you know, anything that was like 14 plus or 15 plus, like, I was going to be, you know, blown away. Yeah. So when he said that, I was like, wait, what? <laughs> and he was like four years, 72 million. And I'm like, crazy. 
and he's like, they want you like that. You've been their top priority. Like everything they have in place, like you're, you're the guy, they, they want you to be the guy. And so obviously like free agency doesn't open till that Monday. So he's like, like Monday hits, we'll call, we'll finalize. Like you'll be able to, to be able to, uh, you know, basically say yes or, you know, take the deal and, and we'll get this thing moving. So anyways, like that night or that night, I like hung up the phone, went back to the table with my family and just like mom's crying, Ozzy's crying, dad's crying. And like, I yeah. think like I didn't cry at all because I'm like, and still in shock, like, holy shit, one, like, and just, it's just not have- yet, right. Because you haven't signed anything. There's still like that little like thing. Exactly. Where I, exactly. Like I was like almost like still kind of like in denial, like, oh, maybe it doesn't yeah. happen or like maybe another team comes forward in free agency because that was also the big thing. Like, like maybe another team. So we wanted to wait till free agency opens and there's like all the legal tampering and stuff like that. So, you know, like free agency finally opened and, you know, we got the deal done. And so I was back at the house when, you know, I officially like accepted the deal. The news broke and that day shit, it went went viral. and the most like good slash bad, <laughs> bad way ever, I guess. The memes were really good on it though. At least we got some really good entertainment out of that in the group chat. Oh, they're, they're great. And I still, I still love joking about it. Yeah. It's hilarious. Well, you're living up to it. We, we read the stats to start. Um, it's a hell of a story, but I like, I get chills every time I hear that story thinking about your family in Bermuda, like just coming in from the other room. I remember I was at your draft night too. Yeah. And, you probably don't know this, but after you got picked, like your whole family, like everyone was like cheering and crying. There's so many people there. And like, I started crying, dude. I, I know. Crying. I remember, I remember that I came over to you and started crying. <laughs> I was like, why are you crying? I'm going to start crying. I was like, Oh, fuck no, man. But it's <laughs> no, but it was like, it was such a cool moment that like you said, like walking back into the restaurant and like up to that point, like, when something like that happens, you know, you always dream about it. Like, not that it's about the money, but to be honest, like getting to your second contract is just like solidifies like a second chapter in the league, because we all know the life average lifespan of an NFL football player is what, like less than three years. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, like I play this game cause I love it. And so being able to like get to that second contract and be like, all right, I'm guaranteed like, four more years in this league to be able to go out and like keep balling mm-hmm. and keep like chasing the, the future and the legacy that I want to chase. Like that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah. I like the way you worded it too, because I don't, it's obviously the money is amazing. It sets your family up, your generations on for whatever you want to do. Right. But the money also doesn't like solidify you as a guy. Like there's been oh. a lot of guys that get money especially your second contract, they get money teams take a chance and they don't. I think it's cool the way you worded it. It gives you an opportunity for four more years to show that you're a guy and um, you're obviously doing it well this year to start, but I want to talk more uh, Jags football and some Trevor Lawrence stuff since this is a quarterback podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you got there, Doug Peterson, new head coach, right? You have no, nothing to do with the Urban Meyer staff. You were never there with them or anything like that. But I feel like, just from talking to other guys that were there last year, there's probably still a little bit of rollover from that summer into the fall. Was it kind of weird, like the Urban Meyer aftermath, or was everyone kind of like just so pumped to have a fresh start? Yeah, when I got to the to the building 
uh, to like go sign and do all the media and stuff like that. The staff, obviously the whole staff was there and Trevor came in and, you know, we were able to sit down and like chop it up. And even seeing some of the other guys, like just be the energy in the building. It was like a sigh of relief. Like everybody was so happy to be here, be there. And like, it was like, it was almost like, man, I can't believe we made it out of that. Like, thank, <laughs> thank God we're on the other side of that. And More like, story. yeah, when they talk about like last year, it's like talking about like, you're one of a family member dying, like a family member's <laughs> funeral. Like everybody gets real somber and quiet about it. And like guys are literally still in like disbelief that they went through that. So, and like, even for Trev, I'm like, bro, like last, last year, like didn't even count. Like you didn't Literally. even really get to experience the NFL the way you should. And so like, that's why I'm happy. We're like off to the start that we are in. And like, we have the guys in the building that we have and the staff. Cause like, that's like, that's how the NFL is supposed to be, you know? Yeah. I mean, you you literally can't even like compare or say anything about Trevor Lawrence from last year, like the situation. And I think everyone kind of accepts that too. Like no one's on the other side saying like Trevor played horrible last year. It's all his fault. Right. Like, and I think we're seeing it this year with Trevor. Um, you were also there right when you got there. It's a very interesting time in Trevor's development, fresh off of the Herban Meyer stuff too kind of coming from college, I don't know how much he would have improved last year or if last year just kind of plateaued him or even made him go down a little bit. But from this summer to the season, you can tell on tape he's gotten a lot better. And yeah. it was, you were around for it. Like what kind of stood out for you in OTAs and training camp with him? I think number one is decision-making. Like his decision-making from last year to this year is like exponentially better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's also facilitated by staff and, you know, system and being able to go through reads and whatnot. But, you know, our, our, our coaches do a great job of, like, giving them the information and put them in the best position. But he, like, he's a grinder, though. Like, he'll spend six hours on a Tuesday just grinding through tape. He, you know, tries to see all the looks that he can see. He's very, like, deliberate in what he he does and – you know, if he wants a certain look in practice, he's not afraid to go over to the guys who dropped the card and say, hey, like, I need it. I need it to look this way so I can see this. And so I think number one is decision making and all young players, especially quarterbacks. It's like trusting yourself and trusting your eyes, trusting what yep. you see. And when you don't have guidance, especially like he did, didn't have last year, it's hard to trust anything you see out there. Number one, like people don't realize, like he's got five 300 pound dudes that run four or fives that are trying to kill him. And, you know, he may not know pre-snap. He may have forgot pre-snap, you know, what, what coverage they're in and what they're rolling to. You know, like, there's a lot of stuff going on. And so I, now, like, even from OTAs, obviously we installed a new system first year mm -hmm. for all of us. OTAs, he's still kind of working through some things. So I think, you know, at first he was a little bit, um, he wasn't as risky and, you know, wasn't wasn't like pushing the ball down the field as much. But once we like got to training camp, he got a grasp of the offense and like started getting a feel for it. It was, you know, bombs away. And he was just trusting us to, to go make plays. And so now, like, I mean, you look at his his completion percentages over the past two weeks, like it's it's pretty damn impressive. And I'm pretty sure I got the last two drives against the Chargers. I think it was like 13 for 13 and, you know, mm -hmm. two touchdowns like against a defense like that, too. That's, yep. that's impressive. So, you know, he's, he's on a roll right now. 
Trusting your eyes is you're you're hitting with a lot of good thoughts today. I'm liking your quarterback mind right now. Eyes is like as a quarterback, probably one of the single most important things to do. Also one of the hardest things to do, but it comes from what you're talking about with Trevor is putting six hours in on a Tuesday, watching film and making sure that what he sees on that tape, he knows in an instant and trust himself that it's that when he gets out on the practice field and super important, the scout team looks right. The scout yeah. team looks super important. And you've, I'm sure you've been on teams. I don't know if I couldn't see Kyler going out there and saying, telling the safety where to line up or the corner where to line up scout team looks. I'm in some scout teams are bad. Like yeah. you will get parted looks the whole week and you're like, I don't know what the hell they're running out there. No, exactly. And it, like, and that's also a credit to the guys that are actually on scout team. Like we, we have a really good group and Doug pushes them really hard to you know make sure that they're giving us the closest look to what we're going to get mm-hmm. on Sunday. So, you know, that's that's a credit to them, but yeah, like I, I mean, you're right. I haven't seen, you know, a guy to just be so like deliberate and he's super mature obviously for how young he is. Yep. But to just go through, you know, every single rep during practice, taking it as a game rep. He's not afraid to especially after practice like, "Hey man, you know, can we just get a couple more of that route that we missed or hey let's let's talk through this a little bit more and i think that's like that's one of the best things that you know he does and you're his number one guy there this year um your first year really as the number one receiver going into the season right you were behind yeah. larry your first couple of years um you signed d hop your first couple of years how has it been different for you being the number one guy as opposed to kind of a secondary guy the last couple of years you know what's crazy, and I tell people this, and they, uh, some people kind of like look at me funny when I say it. I'm a lot more calm being the guy than I was being like the third guy, because well, reasons, yeah, yeah, for multiple reasons. But for for me, being the third guy, it was like I don't know if I'm gonna get one target or I'm gonna get four targets or. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a great day and once a season I'll get eight targets and, you know, it's a great day. But, you know, and so you kind of have this anxiety like, all right, when they call the play that I know is going to come my way, I have to make it because I only have two other plays in the game plan that might come my way. and We may not even call them. So, like, that's when it that's when I felt like almost like a sense of anxiety, like I got to make this play. I got to make this play. And when, you know, any football player, when you tell yourself I got to make this guy you you end up you know screwing it up and it doesn't end up happening so now like being the guy and going into the game plan and knowing that you know this organization like this system this team like believes in me and is going to rely on me to help win the game and I'm going to be a big part of that is great because like I always option I always operate the best when I'm like super heavily depended on because it just makes me play harder and I'm like all right, I know if we're going to win this game today, I got to do this. And so, you know, it gives me just like an extra sense of motivation. So it's been good, like just to be back in that role. And, you know, it feels like, you know, high school and college again, like because I've been the guy like for a majority of my playing career. And so that was hard, you know, first my first, you know, three years in, in Arizona. And then last year I got a little bit of a taste of it, you know, with DeAndre going down and, you know, Rondale was hurt here and there and AJ missed a couple games. So, you know, Arizona started relying on me a little bit more. And I kind of showed that I could, I could have that workload. And, you know, ever since getting here, it's been, it's been great so far. That's awesome. Um, yeah. 
with with the team goals this year, obviously the goal is to win the AFC South. Not if I have anything to do with it. Um, win the AFC, go to a Super Bowl. Obviously, there's a lot of team goals for you. What do you think your personal goals are going into this year? Um, yeah, my personal goals going into this year, honestly, is like so far beyond. And this is how like my like, you know, this is how my mind works, like so far beyond numbers. Like, yeah, it'd be great to have my first thousand yard receiving season in the NFL. Like if we're talking numbers, that's probably the first one is having my first thousand yard season and, you know, being able to push some career highs. But like, bro, I just I want I want to earn not earn like I want to demand the respect that I feel like I deserve, mm. you know, Talk. like and I just like. I feel like I've been waiting for this opportunity and I'm finally getting it. And like, that's why I know me myself, like I'm not surprised, you know, of, you know, the early success and I'm going to do everything in my power to keep it up. But, you know, I just want to like, I just want to demand the respect that I feel like I deserve and just keep showing that, you know, I'm, I can, I'm one of the best in the league and I'm going to keep working to that. That's my, my mentality and that's how it works. So. Respect it, man. Let's go. That fired up. (laughs) <laughs> all right that's yeah. a great way to end that part of it we're gonna end with um with one segment start deeper check it down if you've uh, followed the account showed it any type of love you'd know what this is but we're gonna give you some takes um from around the league also some takes from my mind okay. i want you to throw it deep if you agree with the take if you're into it if not we're checking it down all right do i need to give an explanation or just throw it deeper check it down a, a little explanation slight all one right. okay slight, slight all right slight. first one Mm, this is an easy one. Christian Kirk is overpaid. Throw, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> check, check it. Check, check that thing down. Check it down. But then throw it to Kirk. All right. But throw, yeah. Next one. Uh, Trevor Lawrence goes to a Pro Bowl this year. Oh, throw it deep. Mm. Throw it deep. He's just going to keep on getting better. He really is, man. I've been really impressed, dude, honestly. Watching this film. It's great I was to see. Watch your guys' film this week going in this game. I always love like when I play like someone the Bills play or when the Sam was on the Jets. Like I always love coming in and watching that film on Monday. That was the best. Yeah, I definitely. I'm throwing it deep on that one. For sure. Um, Texas A&M is going to get into the college football playoff before it expands to 12 teams. I'm checking it down. I've honestly mm-hmm. like. I take. I mean, is it though? Like, yeah, the, the we I mean, have two 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 big wins, you know, Miami, and then who did who did we beat last week? Uh, we beat Arkansas. Like they, oh. they came out, they played played good against Arkansas. They came back. It's just like I get we're a young team. But I don't know. Like it's just, I just don't think we're gonna get there. I don't. I don't think we're gonna get. You gotta, there. I mean, like it's the next couple of years, right? College football playoff expands in like two or three years. Do you think it happens? Need a quarterback, man. But exactly. And like, I feel like, to be honest, Jimbo's first year when Kellen was still there, Travion was still there, like some of the guys that, shoot, I played with, that was his best team. And I yeah. feel like that was his best chance to to go to the playoff. And we didn't. I mean, yeah, we had like a win, the, the win over Alabama, but like to win the, and, and the way Georgia's looking, like, Georgia. So good. Like George is gonna be George is gonna be the next Alabama for the next 
God knows how many years. So, uh, yeah, I got to have to check it down. I respect it. I just don't understand with all the recruiting, like you can't get a quarterback. Somebody, At least like a, like a solid quarterback, you know? That's true. And somebody somebody did make a good point is like right now, it seems like all, with all the five stars, it's just like it's a team full of individuals. It's not mm-hmm. like they, they're not playing together. They need Captain Christian Kirk there to help out. Bring me back. All right, last one. Um, this is a good one, actually. The Texans will sweep the Jags in the AFC South this year. We're gonna have to check that one down. And thanks for playing the game. I appreciate it. That's- I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to check that one down. I mean, if you're on the field, then definitely gives the the Texans a more exponential chance of maybe doing like a split. I don't know about a sweep. I I, I just I haven't had any luck playing playing you. You beat me what once or twice. I think just once, right? I yeah, but it was, you. but it was like a beat down though. It was a beat down. Ready? It Where is it? It was a beat down. Your picture's up here, actually. Let me show you. That's from the game, top left. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it was a beat down. So I feel like I'd be kind of nervous if that ever if that happened. It's respect. This thanks, year. Thank, thanks for giving that type of answer. I appreciate that. Oh, of course. All right, that was throw it deeper. Check it down. Um, appreciate you coming on today, Christian. Uh, first non-quarterback guest, but with all of our quarterback guests that we've had on, we do a segment called two minute drill to end it. Two minute drill is basically your opportunity to tell your story through your lens. I think the media gets the opportunity to tell everyone else's stories without them. And so we like to let guys tell their journey in two minute drill fashion at the end of the game. So start from wherever you want to start um, ends with where you're at today. So let's hear it. Um, I started playing football at the age of five years old. Uh, funny story, my dad actually forged my birth birth certificate so I could play because I didn't meet the age requirement. So he forged my birth certificate. I went straight into tackle football. Um, started playing tackle football in eighth grade. Um, I actually thought I was going to give up football. I told my dad I didn't want to play football anymore. Kind of just was like going through that kid, like preteen. I don't. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. I don't know who I am. And my dad was like, all right, you got the choice. You know, do whatever you want to do. That lasted about two weeks. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it. And so I ended up, uh, I decided when I decided I was going to go play football at Saguaro, I remember I broke my arm, like going into summer training. And yeah. And then uh, my dad was like, look, man, you got to figure this out. Like I broke my arm riding my bike. He's like, you want to just like, mess around being a regular kid or do you want to take this thing and be for real? So decided that was when I was going to flip the switch and, you know, take this thing to where I wanted to go. So I went to Sorrell high school, played four years on varsity there, um, ended up following one of my best friends, Kyle Allen to Texas A&M university where he later then about eight months later transferred and left me there. Um, uh, Kyle knows this, but I'll enlighten everyone else. We had we lived in the same house, and we were all roommates. And we had a nice, a nice little um, plaque in our in our our house. And uh, when Kyle moved out, he took the plaque that was ingrained by all of us and uh, took it with him to Houston. And I came downstairs after he left. I was like, "Did Kyle really take the plaque?" So we really had beef, beef to the point that I drove all the way back down to Houston to get it from him, to take it back to its its rightful place. But there was like underlying beef for like a year. Yeah, there was some underlying beef. There's some there's some pressure. 
but played three years at Texas A&M, uh, was drafted in the second round, 47th pick to the Arizona Cardinals. With all my friends and family there back home in Arizona, I had no clue I was going to go there. Played four years in Arizona. Um, you know, I, I was super grateful for my time there. I had a great time. And then here I am today, wide receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars, playing with Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson. And that's a super cut-up version of my journey, but that's where I'm at today. In a hurricane. In a hurricane. Um, hurricane Ian. Well, it's a great story. And I think there's a lot of smaller facets to your story that like you could, I don't know. I think you got a super interesting story. Like people like really sat down and talked to you and heard just kind of your life and what you've been through and just who you are as a person. Like, I don't know. I don't think many people know that about you. So I love your story. Um, I love you, bro. Appreciate you coming on. I love you too, brother. I appreciate you. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we see you in two weeks, two weeks. Somebody J is going to come stay at the crib. Somebody J is coming down to stay at the crib, bringing Dookie Boy. Pain heels. Chicks dig scars. Glory. Last forever. All right. Welcome. Uh, different week this week. Jordan, not available this week. We're going to get a couple different guests on. Right now, we got Jordan Schultz, um, NFL insider, which we're going to dive into. I think NFL insider is quite the interesting term. Um, also has a, a it's podcast. It's a craft term. It's, yeah, it is. But it's it's very interesting because, well, let's just dive into that right now because you got a lot of different jobs. You're working at The Score now. Congrats on that. Um, you got a podcast with CJ McCollum, done stuff with Allen Robinson. But for me, the NFL insider thing is always so interesting because I've been in so many situations where I've had to find out things about my team on Twitter from guys like you. So just to start, how do you become an NFL insider? Well... I think the biggest thing is you have to you have to love sports like that's that's the prerequisite and I I mean crave it the same way that you crave being a quarterback it's mm-hmm. just it's like breathing so that's the most important thing and then once you have that it's an entirely relationship based situation everything is relationships so if you take care of someone what I mean by that is let's say an agent or a GM gives you something but they ask you to hold it for a day. Or maybe you get a piece of information from a player, but you can't go with it. Mm-hmm. If you start doing that more and more, the word of mouth gets out that you're going to do things the right way. On the flip side, you also want to get those stories and have that information that you're able to use and report. So, you know, that can be something as small as like, like today, you know, our reporter Jason Peters was playing tonight. Yep. Basically, you, there's all these stories there's like a certain amount of people that are going after the same stories. And so everyone's, everyone wants a piece of the pie and an example of how you get into it. I was, here's the example, best example I can give like two years ago. I got, um, I met Rob Gronkowski. Mm -hmm. So I met Rob and we decided, uh, I had him on the show and, and we started to develop a friendship, not dissimilar to you and me where we hung out a couple of times and, I liked him and I, you know, I was like, this guy's a great guy. Like, you know, he's just, he's all the time. How do you not like him? Yeah. He's just, he's like one of those, he's like a, he's just a great dude, you know, <laughs> and he's really, really easy to, to like. So we had developed a good friendship and we, we spent a good amount of time together. And basically what happened was six months ago, I said to him, would you, when the time comes, would you be willing to let me announce the news, whether or not you come back or retire? 
And he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. But I, I kind of thought, to be honest, that after I hadn't, we hadn't really heard anything that I didn't think he forgot, but I just thought the chances of this happening, considering how many people are after the story yeah. are so slim. It's just not going to happen, you know? And so I didn't give up on it, but I didn't push. I would occasionally check in. How you doing? How's the summer? Mm-hmm. But I didn't push too much. And then all of a sudden, on like a random, I don't know, Wednesday or whatever it was, I'm actually in the, in this room. I get a call, and it's Gronk. Um, and it, it, it basically, it's, it's Gronk saying, like, I'm retiring. And I was like... Like that day? Yeah. I was like, really? And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have this announcement in like 30 minutes. But in 20 minutes, if you want to report it, you can say that it came from me. And I was like, wow, like I couldn't believe it. For That's, one, I thought he was not going to, re- I thought he was coming back. Yeah, it was late, wasn't it? It was late. It was yeah. really late. And I, I knew he was working out because I had been with him when he was like at the gym. And I was like, why would he work out this hard? And so I was surprised. But then what happened was he says, uh, I need, yeah, I need you to wait 20 minutes. And something, when I, we got off the phone and I was like, holy shit, I got to make sure all the tweets are ready and the, all this story and everything. Mm-hmm. And also I got to make sure that nobody else gets it hopefully. But what happened was I hit me like a minute or two later that there's no way that in the course of these 20 minutes, which is a lifetime, it's not going to get out. <laughs> yeah. Your tweet is already ready in two minutes. Too. Uh, yeah. Someone's going to get it, whether it's not going to be from Rob, but it could be from his agent, Drew. It could be from the team. It could be from a scout who mm-hmm. knows. And so once that happened in my head, I reached back out to him and I was like, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say, is there any way to move up that timeline, like five, even five or 10 minutes? And at first he was like, I don't really, I don't really want to do that. And I was like, okay, no problem. Mm-hmm. And then like, he's like, fuck it. Yeah. You just do it. And I was like, what? Like, again, I was like, are you sure? Like, this is your deal, man. I, I'm so excited and grateful, but I don't want to screw this up in any way or take advantage of the situation. He was like, yeah, go ahead. You've been good to me. I told you it was your story. And I put it out and it was like, Everything changed overnight That's because awesome. I got such a flood. I was flooded with players, GMs, coaches. It, it was like everyone was like, oh, you're – I mean, I, it sounded like an, kind of arrogant, but they were like, oh, you're that guy. And I was like, you know, at first I didn't know what that meant. And what they were saying was like, okay, you've gotten to this, you've gotten to this kind of level now. And I guess it felt – it did feel great, and I was really excited, but it validated everything. Yeah, because I put in so much time with these relationships, and you never know what's going to come of it from a work standpoint. For you sure. just want it to be genuine. Yeah, I feel like you're just like the years of building relationships, and it's not like you're putting in work that's going to like show up on paper right away. It doesn't. You're just building relationships and hoping these people trust you, and it's yeah. all reputation based. You know, you're uh, like people know you. Has there ever- it, it is an entirely relationship-based yeah. business. That is everything. And the second you start going bad on those, then your reputation's finished, and you can never get to that point. Yeah, it's like one thing, right? You're gonna spend years. Yeah, it'd be like, it'd be like if I reported. I mean, like for example, going back to Jason Peters, like I knew he was gonna sign with Dallas mm-hmm. like four days prior, but I couldn't say anything really, and I ended up losing the story. You know, Chandler Jones, another one. I knew he was going to the Raiders. Couldn't say anything until a certain time. Lost the story. But that's it's not worth burning that bridge for that quick fix. For sure. I remember in the offseason, too, when Brady 
retired. I forgot who was it that reported it, but someone reported it early. And then he- I think it was Schefter. Yeah, it was Schefter, right? So like, what does that do to a guy like Schefter? I feel like Schefter has just been around for so long though, you know, that like, it, yeah. it might be more of like an inside thing. Like maybe people are not going to, like from your inside players, coaches, GMs aren't going to trust him as much. Do you think? I, I hate to like shit on someone else that's doing the same thing or in his case, he's been doing it really long. I think he had a relationship with Don Yee, mm-hmm. who was Brady's agent as well as Jimmy's. Yep. And I would presume without knowing that that's where he got the information. What, the, what happened was people got really upset because they felt like that was Brady's story to tell. Now, the reason I didn't get that backlash was because I was able to say Rob told me. Right. And then he retweeted it and posted it. So that validated it. Mm-hmm. I probably would have had the same backlash. Maybe not quite because it's, it, Tom Brady is the GOAT. But Rob being the GOAT of his position, it would have been pretty bad, I'm sure. And I thought about that. Um, I don't. I haven't asked, like, oh, what what's the repercussions of this? I I just think that you have to be so careful of what you're saying at all times. And, and given his platform, that's it is bigger than mine. I mean, I'm not going to lie. He Anything he says is going to be speculated on. Yeah, it seems like the more we talk about this, like more than any other profession, like doing it the right way is going to get you closer to where you want to be. And that, that How would you compare? And like in the NFL, it'd be like first guy in, last guy out kind of thing, right? Yeah, it's similar. It's just about like you build your reputation when you go in. Like I've been on three teams. When you go into your locker room, like like I've been in three different locker rooms, you know, two years in Carolina, two years in Washington. Carolina, Washington, Houston, right? Yeah. And like when you go into that locker room, like you're starting new, right? You're building your new reputation. Most like when I came here, I knew one guy on this entire team, Isaac Yedem, the corner. Um, but when you go in, you're building your reputation every day, every day, every day, every day. And like, you get a clean slate to do it, but you got to show up as that same person every day. And you got to be a guy that people can depend on and count on and not come in with like a different attitude every day and and not ready to go every day. So I guess like from a football perspective, it's like reputation is everything. And it's to the coaches and to the GM and the front office too. But in my opinion, more than anything, it's to the other players in the locker room. Right. Because players know... Players always know first if a guy can play or not. They know if a guy's for real. That's the ultimate limit. Right. And there's the intangibles of being on the field. You see it in Buffalo a lot. I always reference this with Josh in Buffalo. But the intangibles of guys on the field that all believe in each other and they all like have been through with each other and they, they have that mutual respect, it brings out that extra edge that some other teams just don't have. Other teams that bring a lot of guys in and have a lot of turnover, like you just can't reproduce that, you know? What about like the idea that you go to a new place and you want to like reinvent yourself? Does that happen or not really? Yeah, for sure. I think so. I mean, I think there's like people around the league, like know you from word of mouth if you haven't met them before, but like say guys have a tough go at it in some spots. I'm trying to think of some examples right now, but, but really it's like you're on a new team. Yeah. That just need a new change of scenery. I, I mean, there'd be like uh I mean, you mentioned Allen, for example. Last year in Chicago, you know, Matt Nagy was a disaster. They started the season with Dalton. He never got off on the right foot. Now he goes to L.A. and, like, you know, it's a better fit. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's all about fit and it's all about situation. I think a lot of really talented players go unnoticed because of the wrong fit and wrong situation. Well, look at Trevor Lawrence, too, with Urban Meyer. 
I mean, I mean the guy's obviously ridiculously talented. Yeah. But having er- Doug Peterson now, in three games, he's he's half the amount of TDs he had last year. His passer rating's up over 30 points. His completion percentage is up 10 points. He threw one pick in three games. Last year, he had 17. I mean, he's an ty- entirely different player. And he's the number one pick that everyone thought he was going to be. You know, he is the Peyton Manning. You know, I had a guy... Um, I think there's a guy on our team this year that had played there before and he with urban last year. And he told me that he seriously considered retiring and he's got, he's got like years left on his career, you know? And he was like, dude, they're like ask for release. Or he was like, it was a night. Like I've never hated. Yeah. Yeah. Nightmare. I mean, that guy will never coach in the NFL again. And you know, that's yeah. Never. So you talk about Trevor, um, I think when we had Mark, we had Mark Sanchez on last week and we were just kind of talking about the state of the modern quarterback and where the game's moving. I see you post all the time about Lamar. You post about Fields. You post about a lot of these young guys. Just from your perspective as an NFL insider, like where do you see the quarterback position transitioning to in the next five to 10 years? I think there's already a trend, but I kind of want to hear your thoughts on it. Every guy that's having success in terms of coming into the league, it feels like, they check at least two of two two of the three boxes. One is like you see, athleticism is it's like every guy. I mean, you mentioned Lamar, Fields, Lawrence. Uh, let's think, uh, Burrow, Allen, Herbert. All these guys are really athletic. I mean, there's different level. I think Lamar is like in his own class. Yeah, it's not even close. Just like Tyreek is in his own class of like speed. Right. But there's levels to it. But all these guys are are really athletic. Even Burrow is not like a four or five guy, but he's athletic. He's a freak, and you wouldn't expect it out of him. Like when you see him in the off season and the way he takes care of his body and the way he looks, really? he's a freak, dude. He's and he's like cut up and in, in phenomenal shape. Yeah, yeah, and he's got new teeth too. His teeth are looking good. Like, yeah, like he's, he okay. he is like Joe cool now. Yeah. So I see that, and I see okay, that's one thing. Two is all these guys are able to. You would. This is where, like, me not having played football at a high level, I'm just repeating people, but I've been told. But Mm -hmm. being able to move the pocket and then throw on the run. So, like, I watched the Lawrence game against the Chargers where he threw for three touchdowns. Um, He had a sprint out right, which I thought completely – that was – he had two plays where he rolled out right and threw touchdowns. One was a design sprint out to Kirk for, like, eight yards. Your guy, Kirk. Mm -hmm. And the other one was – he got flushed right and threw a dime in between three Chargers defenders for a touchdown. I I, I think if you go back 15 years, quarterbacks weren't I, – I just don't think they were doing that, Not at least not like in your second year to be able to make that throw. No, I agree. I think this is what – same take Mark had, same take I have. It's just the way the quarterback position is moving, you don't need to be Lamar. I mean – Lamar is exceptional, but you don't need to be Lamar. But what you do need to do is you need to be able to manipulate the pocket. You need to move and you need to be able to make like the off schedule throws what that Patrick makes that Josh makes that you saw Trevor making that game. Even and Tua has been making them. Tua Tua is way more athletic than people give him credit for. Yeah. Yeah. He was really twitchy before that hip injury. And then I, I caught up with um, Nick Hicks. I don't know if you worked with him. He's his performance guy. Okay. And he had told me that two years ago when they trained, it was all about hip recovery. This offseason, it was all about, A, you got to lose 10 pounds, you got to lose body fat. And then mm-hmm. it was all about increasing um, uh, mobility and obviously core strength, but the arm 
yeah, the shoulder. And then they increased. They had they had eight weeks of work where they increased his 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 long toss and four different exercises, fifteen to twenty one yards. So it was like rollouts, um, standard throws, and so his arm strength has never been has never been more. And then obviously off platform stuff. That was the other thing. Like if you can't throw off platform, you're dead, right? Yeah, and you the game winning touchdown the other week against the Ravens. Step up, move to the left, throw one, spins out through a touchdown to River Craycraft. You can see the ball jump off his hands too. That one he had to Gusecki two weeks ago. Or? Yes, that was a great throw, bro. Uh, someone posted that. Someone said if Tua was a right handed quarterback, he'd be the MVP. And they like, did you see that video when they switched it? Well, and I was like, you're not wrong. He looked like he's ripping it. He he complete. Why why was it so much different? I don't with know. The righty. I don't know. Maybe it's like it's like lefty and righty golfers too, but it's the opposite. Like usually lefty golfers look cooler, righty like. That looked like a rope. It's like whenever you watch a left-hander shoot a basketball, it's always way cooler. Mm-hmm. So I always thought like a lefty throw, a quarterback, as rare as it is, that would look cooler. He looked, I swear, when they when I saw that, I thought he looked like a different player. I did too. I was so surprised. It, it, it looked so smooth. Yeah. He's- but like, so with Tua, I mean, obviously he's not as – He's not as fast as Lamar. He's not as big as Fields. Why is he? Is he? He's he's really accurate, right? Super accurate. I remember. I mean, everyone's making jokes about what McDaniel said at the beginning of the year, but the dude is super accurate, and he's twitchy. And from what I can see, he's making good decisions, and he's getting through his reads a lot better. I think as you grow up in the league, like the really the only thing that matters, like you don't need to be super talented. What you need to do is make a lot of really good decisions. And the more good decisions you make, the more opportunities you get and you'll keep yourself in the game. That's one thing Alex Smith always told me. I was asking him about like the two minute drill and, and how you manage games, like different situations. And he's like, I just stopped turning the ball over and started making good decisions. And I had more chances to win at the end of the game. And I, we won more games because of that. And I was like, that's super interesting. It's almost just like trusting the process and shout out to Joel Embiid and just play the game. Do you feel like, um, I'm real, this is just selfishly me asking as a fan. So you entertain me here. Um, Got you. Let's say you, you're, I was watching that game, the, the Buffalo Miami game mm-hmm. and Buffalo had twice the amount of possession. It was like the Dolphins defense could not get off the field. So it felt like every time Miami had the ball, I was thinking to myself, doesn't it? Aren't you more um, inclined if you're Tua to start forcing throws because you want to make plays? You're not getting those opportunities. Yeah, I'm, the, you're completely right. It's just, but you got to fight that urge, man. It's just like a bad urge until at least till the end of the game when you like. There's just a fine line of situational football when you got to start forcing a little more and a little more. But I, I didn't catch the whole game. I was just looking at stats after our game. But he had. I saw Josh had like. 55 attempts at one point. Yeah, Tua had like 27. He also got hurt. Yeah. Yeah, which is another story we can leave for another time. But but yeah, that's definitely that way. But staying on the topic of Tua, I want to get your thoughts on this too. So a lot of times these guys in their third years of their contracts, we got Tua, Jalen Hurts, um, Herbert, and we got yeah. Burrow. The third year yeah, is... That's a hell of a list. Hell of a year, especially with the way Jalen Hurts is playing, which is he's playing unbelievable right now. I I will put my hand up. I did say I didn't see it when he came out, but he's playing unbelievable. So when you look at those four guys, obviously Josh set the market after his third year. Probably throw Lamar in there with his contract after this year. 
which of those guys do you see setting the market and how do you kind of think that order unfolds? So I think while my first inclination was going to say Burrow, but Cincinnati traditionally doesn't pay a lot of guys. Arizona is the same. Um, okay. So Burrow, Lamar, who's not in his third year, but same principle, mm-hmm. uh, Herbert, um, Tua. Tua. And who was the other one? And Hertz. Okay. I think Herbert's going to get the I think Herbert is going to become the highest paid quarterback in NFL history. Um, there's two reasons. One, he's awesome. Awesome. And two, Tom Telesco, the GM, he he under like he values the right things. I mean, you saw Derwin got his deal, Mike mm-hmm. Williams got his deal. They they're one of those teams that wants to take care of their own and be known as an organization that does that. Um, and that's a good thing. So for me, Herbert sets the market. Mm-hmm. Then I think Hertz and Burrow are in the same category of um, they they're 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 both awesome, and they've both been injured. Hertz, well, Burrow had a terrible injury. Yep. Hertz is, but hurt, but both those guys have also proven that together. Ooh. In his case, goes to Super Bowl. Hertz, in his case, has put together a pretty good season, and then now has been balling. So I would say they're in the same category of. Maybe not resetting the market, but substantial deals. And so then, you, you, Jalen keeps playing well. He gets a deal at the end of this year. Yeah, this, I mean, uh, level to burrow. When I let me when I talked to Philadelphia in the summer, they I got the sense that they they wanted so badly for Hertz to become the guy, and that they felt like he could, but they obviously wanted to see it. And I think last year was a prerequisite. Like he played well. But there were still problems, and they ended up having to run the ball even more than they wanted to. Now that balance is perfect. I think he really vibes with Sirianni, and they figured it out. Um, the only, two was interesting because, you, man, it's like he, he did not get off to a great start. Another injury situation. New head coach, new regime. But I think they're going to pay him as well. The only – out of all of those guys, I think – the potential for any of them to leave would be Lamar. I, yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I would probably say Lamar and Tua, but Hertz, Burrow, and Herbert, there's no way they're going anywhere. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, I heard someone say this today, but if, if the Ravens let Lamar go, oh, they let him there, they're, I mean, their franchise is going to suffer. And just off the print, not even off of like the principle, yeah, of, but it's just off scheme. Like, yeah. they've built a whole scheme around him forever. I was just going to say, everything they've done in the draft has been about him. They drafted Tyler Linderbaum in the first round of center. Uh, Dobbins, his style of running. Uh, mm-hmm. Bateman, they 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 drafted another tight end, Isaiah Likely. They have Andrews. They have been com- Duvernay, speed guys that can go under rounds. It's all about speed and Lamar's skill set. So they would have to revamp everything if that happened. Which would So that makes me feel like he has more leverage. He does, but it just seems like it, well, for whatever reason, like if he had that much leverage and they were that committed to him, something would have happened before the season. You know, I just don't know. And we've talked about it. Like, I don't know. His agent situation's weird, right? Well, he it's, doesn't have an agent. Right. It's him and his mom. Right. And so who knows how those deals are going down. And so when the team sees that too, does a team feel like they can take advantage of him because he doesn't know it as well? And there's so many other factors. It just really surprised me that it didn't get done before the season. Cause you usually see it happen right before, but it, I never thought it was going to get done before the season. Um, I can tell you that he turned down a tremendous amount of money. He basically wanted 
Deshaun's 230 plus a dollar. Like that's how he viewed it. He turned down a lot of money. I will tell you that you can attest to this too. There are, I'm sure there are benefits to being representing yourself. Obviously not paying a fee is one, but you also, as a result, you don't have the agent to buffer the bad stuff. What I mean by that is, you know, I, I talked to Bobby Wagner about this too, because he represented himself when he signed with the Rams. When, when you, when you're your own agent, you now have to hear from, for example, the Baltimore Ravens, here are the things you don't do well. Because the agent can buffer that and get that message and then decipher it to in a nice way. Right. When you don't have that buffer, now all of a sudden you might be hearing from the Ravens, well, we're worried you're going to get hurt. You're not accurate enough. You only played eight games last year. Whatever it is, these are things that you might not want to hear and that can create tension inside that building. 100% true. And they're going to tell it to you, too, no matter if your agent's there or not. Especially when they don't want to pay you what you want. <laughs> they don't give a damn, bro. They'll let like, you know. I know Brian doesn't tell you half the shit. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Brian, Brian shoots it straight. He doesn't know how to have a filter. Shout out to Brian, though. Shoot yeah, shout out to Brian. What are the gems? Many conversations that Brian has had to have where I would have felt super uncomfortable having. You know, I am a big proponent for an agent. You know, obviously, I'm not doing $200 million deals, paying 3% on that, but... I think it's definitely worth it. Um, moving on, we're going to get back into your insider knowledge here. When we heard the Dak news a couple weeks ago, obviously first thing that came to my mind was, all right, Dak's out. Who are they going to bring in? Cooper Rush played good the year before. Um, an extensive injury. Some teams, I remember when uh, Jimmy G got hurt in 2018. I was a rookie that year and I got cut and I was doing the workout circuit and the week he got injured, they brought in eight different guys to work out. And I was one of them. And I was like the only rookie. And it was like Kellen Clemens, Tom Savage. Um, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. EJ Manuel, Right. And so I'm looking around as like a wide eyed, fresh rookie that just got cut. I was like, what the hell am I doing here, man? But they, they ended up signing Tom Savage off that when you were, um, when you were doing your due diligence on that, what were you hearing from there? Were you surprised that they didn't pick up anybody? Oh, with Dak. Yeah. With Dak. I was, you know, they, um, when they, when they announced their 53 originally, Dak was the only quarterback. Yeah. They cut both of them. Will I've and never seen that crazy. And Cooper rush. Um, I know Romo waxed poetic about him last week when they beat Cincinnati. Now you have to tell me more. I, I, all I can say is it seems like he's got what those in the biz would say is a live arm. He's kind of a gunslinger. He's, Pretty talented. Yeah, I mean, he's a solid player, you know? Like, I was just watching him before we got on. The game's on right now. But, I mean, he did what he needed to do to beat the defending Super Bowl runner-ups, you yeah. know? I mean, I'm the same way. The same way I got into the league and got to stay. Like, you just need a chance to prove that you can play. But when your quarterback's going to be out for a, substan a substantial amount of time, you know, I forgot who said, their head coach was saying he's got a list of every quarterback in the Mike league. McCarthy? Yeah. Yeah, I, w I was surprised because there's not – I mean, it's the most important position in sports. Cooper Rush, now you're an injury away from, from who? And, um, you know, Kellen Moore, like, I'm not the biggest fan of his, but mm. but why? I, I, I think he's I think he's almost too smart for his own good. I feel uh, like – Bad scientist? Mike McDaniel is the perfect – combination of like swag mm -hmm. and I went to Yale by the way and I'm like an absolute genius but I feel like Kellen Moore 
I know he played in the league a long time and he, he, you know, had a lot of success for a guy that wasn't very athletic, wasn't very big, didn't have a big arm. I mean, he's one of the winningest players in college football history. So I'm not taking anything away from him on that. I just don't, I don't feel like their game plan week to week is conducive to winning. (laughs) I don't like his game plans. I don't, I, I just don't. I mean, for one, I don't see why Tony Pollard doesn't get more reps, doesn't get more carries. Uh, I think Tony Pollard's a baller. He's electric. Um, number two is it's amazing to me that they, going back to week one, where the offense was completely anemic even before the DAC injury, I feel like they didn't have a lot of pre-snap motion. They yeah. didn't have window dressing. Like when you watch the great offenses in the league, Miami, for example, San Francisco last night, even though it's not a great offense, it's so creative. Yeah. I don't see that with Dallas. It's just so stagnant. Yeah, that's that coaching tree, though, too. Miami, San Francisco, Kyle Shanahan, that coaching tree is all... McVay is another one, the Rams. Yeah, McVay did a lot of stuff with motion. Um, interesting enough, though, like Aaron Rodgers was talking about he's in that offense right now with all the motions and stuff, and he was begging him to stop doing motions because he's he's used to old West Coast lineup, let him use his cadence, don't move anyone. I'm going to figure really? out the... I'll make the best throw. So, I mean, it's... it's so. Rodgers was saying that he wanted to be more of a set pre-snap situation. He was talking about, I think someone asked him, what is your like favorite offense you've ever been in? Is this it? Because I think it's more of a Kyle Shanahan type offense now. But yeah, LaFleur is it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, but he was saying like, he was like big proponent of old West coast system where he could go up, oh. lining up. And it's kind of similar. Like when I had Norv Turner as my OC, yeah. Similar, but we were a little bastardized, and we we all our run game was now predicated off of motion because we were just trying to get holes and stuff open for Christian and get picks. So we add a lot more of that. But it was an interesting take by him because I'd never like thought of it that way. Of like, all right, I know you so good that just line up in three by one, and I'm gonna use my cadence and I'm gonna figure out and um, give me all these options. I'll figure out where to go with it. Three by one. What is that? X, Y, Z. Yeah, tight end on the right with the receivers. Three by one. Okay, so welcome to the quarterback room. This is awesome. I mean, this is this is this is. I mean, for me, it's like I'm in total. I'm totally geeking out here with with Rod. So, like, you know how you know how Rogers threw that that super quick slant to Dobbs. Um, I don't know if you saw it. A little yeah. flat route, or was it slant? Yeah. So, like, was that a pre-design? Did was that the actual route, or did Dobbs make that decision? Was that a choice? It was a touchdown, right? Yeah, it was like a quick seven-yard touchdown. Yeah, little. I was watching it on your boy uh, McAfee's show this morning. He was going over it. Yeah, uh, but that's just a lot of times. That's just run. Like they got the run called. You can see the line. They're pulling. They're pulling for the run, and then they have whatever option. It's the the nice buzzword term that the announcers like to use: RPO. They got so excited about using they RPO. They love saying that shit. Of it, and they have half of them have no fucking clue what they're talking about either. Wait, so did Rodgers call? He had the option, and then he called the pass. No, it's usually just a play. Like, you'll have the run play called. It'll be like, that okay. for me, it was like, so, okay. 39-something with that route combination called on the backside. So he sees numbers over there. It's man coverage, so he knows the inside guy's going to pick for him. He can just get out quick. And there's no one better in the league than Rodgers that just... Oh, it's so... <laughs> it's so I, I love how Brady was said, like, something like... um. Rodgers is abundantly more talented than me. 
It's not even close, right? He has said it a million times too. Like it's not even close. The natural talent is unbelievable. We is had he, a, is he the most naturally gifted thrower ever? We had I think I think you saw this, but we had a charity flag football tournament yeah. in Orange County this year, and it was Rogers, Carson, um, me, Ritter, Josh, Sam Darnold, and I remember we like the people that were out there are just these like little corporate guys, you know, it was like corporate fraud. But then his team had like all these athletes on there. I had no clue where he got them from. But I played him in the first game. He's literally just standing there, like chest straight towards the line of scrimmage, looking around, being all like Rogers, like lackadaisical. And then all of a sudden, yeah. just, and it just zips 40 yards in there. And I'm like, dude, this is my first time throwing in the offseason, bro. Stop making me look so bad right now. Wow. And and wait a second. He's so, to, you felt like he was being competitive even in that environment? Oh, everyone was. We were all being super competitive, but he just looked so much better than me in that environment. I was like, all right, I got a lot of fucking work to do over here. I just, yeah, I. That's perfectly said. Does does Mahomes is are Mahomes and Allen similar in terms of arm talent? Yeah, I think they throw it different, but like as like Josh has gotten a ton better at this in his career too. Is the way they can like lay the ball and they can manipulate the ball. Layer it. Yeah. It like that was where Josh really made his jump from year two to year three. He just started to shape his throws and and throw guys open. Pat's always been really good at that, but just the way they throw it, like Josh, like when we do biometric stuff, like we have a guy that does biometric work on our bodies in the off season to see like where our deficiencies are. And with Josh, before he was like all of his throw power was coming from his shoulder, so his shoulder was doing all the work all through college, all through his first couple of years. And once he figured that out, I think he had like a conversation with Romo about mechanics one night. I think he, he tell the story better than me, but he was at the masters or he was at some event and it ended up, or no, it was the Super Bowl. It was the night before the Super Bowl, him and Romo went to dinner and that was the year Romo was calling the Super Bowl and they were talking mechanics. And then that whole off season, he was just doing the same thing with his mechanics, throwing with his hips a lot more, keeping his shoulders a lot more level, dropping his arm angle a little bit. Yeah. And he just started making all these sick throws. Wow. Never seen him make for it. And it's crazy yeah. how he'll make that big jump after being in the league. Yeah, because Romo had incredible feel in our in talent with yeah. Incredible. Incredibly underrated. It just could never win the big game. Yeah, well look the owner, I mean yeah. <laughs> you seem like you got a lot the of coach, bad stories the, with the Cowboys. The <laughs> Not the Cowboys stories. <laughs> yeah. I that's so interesting. And, and is Herbert more Josh Allen then in terms of all that? I th- I would put him in there with both of them. I think Herbert's probably more natural. I think he's always done it, you know. And he just has a fucking cannon too. Yeah. And then Lawrence, it's six six, can do is and he's not there yet, but you see some of the same things. Yeah, he's he's got the ability to do it. And I think the main like similarity between them all, they're all great dudes too. Like those dudes own their locker rooms. Like Trevor, like you talk to the guys in Trevor's locker room, like they love Trevor, even though that Twitter video about his pregame speech came out the other week. Like <laughs> I saw that. It's t- like, sometimes it's so awkward when you're in that tunnel to like, give a little speech. Yeah. Not even yeah. right before the game. It's like an hour before the game. It's like when you're going out for a warm up, So you're just kind of still chilling. Like, All right. Yeah. Do you, okay. Here's another question for me. When you, um, when you get to play and you know, it's shit, but you're not supposed to change it. Or does that happen? Where like, they're like, don't change this play. Like, or do you have full autonomy? No, I mean, I'm sure some guys do in the league, but you got to earn that, right? I feel like that's like a, you've played in that system for five or six years or you Yeah, okay, that's fair. Well, you can, you can do this 
Cause like sometimes if you do it and it works, like no one's going to say anything, no matter who you are. But if you do it and it doesn't works, it, it really depends on who you are. Who you are. So like, yeah. If okay, Eric so like, and it didn't work, what the hell are I going to say to him? You know, Tom, but like, say I get in there and I'm like, Oh, fuck this play. Like let's run this. Blah, blah, blah. And then it doesn't work and we don't convert on third down or something like that. It's bad news for me. Okay. Here's another question. You have, when you have a receiver who's not getting the ball in, Let's say it's like a, you know, a pretty, you were in Carolina, right? So let's say DJ Moore, you, mm-hmm. you target him two times and it's, there's the two minutes left in the half. Are you saying to him like, don't worry, I got you? No, nah, it wasn't. It depends on who you are. Like our receivers are DJ like would never, ever say anything to me about getting in the ball, but I did wow. throw him a lot. So he was probably never worried. And same with Curtis. When I was there, I was with Curtis too. Those two were, they would never really like come up to me and be like, yo, I'm wide open. Like, get me the ball. Or like, I don't have enough targets. Like, I think when you get guys that understand like what the quarterback's going through back there and you're not like, sometimes things are based off of matchups if teams are playing man, but not on that many teams play man unless it's third down. And so you're just going where the ball needs to go based off of coverage. You know, I'm not picking Curtis. Like it's three buzz week. Like I need to go here with the ball or it's two Tampa. Like, you know, it's just, you're Tampa two, two Tampa. Eight. Yeah, same thing. There you go. Yeah. See, I yeah. got, I got something up. I, you know, you know what else the insider analysts love to say? You know, they're in cover zero, Jim. So what they're going to do now is they're going to go over the top. Started. Don't get me started on them when they're breaking down a play on there and their telestrator and they're like, "Look at this. They brought the will here and yeah. they went man coverage." And I'm looking back and I'm like, "Dude, no one is in man coverage right now. You're just getting away with saying these things." But yeah. like, what are the fans? Yeah, like, oh, what a great call on third down, man! Yeah. yeah, you know what else they love is now, now, now we're in quarters here, right? And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna bring the X in motion. It's just like, you know, it's so stay in your lane. Yeah, let, stay in your lane. Let Aikman do that. A guy who played quarterback in the league forever. Don't let Joe Schmo over here. God, See, that's dude. why I don't do that shit, bro. Because I know I can't. It's like. Don't like, do I it. knew I wasn't going to dunk on anybody, so I never tried. Yeah, yeah. If you ever do it, just know, like, I'm sitting on my couch, cussing you out and putting mute on. Yeah. Like, when Booger would used to do Monday Night Football. Oh. <laughs> Don't get started, bro. Don't even get me started. I would have, like, you could ask my fiance, Summer. I would go ape shit on Monday nights for, like, the whole first half, and then I would, I would mute it every single time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or watch that. I like the Manning telecast because, Manning's least, cool. you know, what about like when, um, uh, what was the other one? Was, oh, they loved last year to talk about how, you know, teams have figured out against Mahomes. You know, you you got that, you got those two high safeties. You know, you got to just make them make a decision so not you, to take the big shot. You get it. Like too high. Like tell me what too high is, right? Too high. I mean, all it is right is the safeties are playing back. There's a hundred different ways to run too right. high. There's right. a million different things to do. And to be honest, if teams want to take away the deep ball, they play drop cover three. They don't play fucking quarters, you know? All right. Yeah. You know, he's got to have the discipline, Mark, to yeah. understand that this is available to him and this is not. Yeah, I also, yeah, I also hate the announcers that, like, try and tell everyone what the quarterback should be doing or, like, every play they need to tell them what they should be doing. Yeah. We hyping guys up out here, man. Why don't you just, just call the game? We don't need a teaching session. All right. We're going to wrap this up here in a second. Um, I want to get your quick thoughts before we do one um, segment. On the bullshit insider role? 
<laughs> yeah. Well, I'll get your quick thoughts. Then I have a question for you after that. Um, yeah. Mac Jones, super, in, like that video of him was gnarly walking off the field. Yeah, it was nasty. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they said he had a um, high ankle. Significant high ankle from what I read. Um, those crazy painful. What I did to my leg a couple years ago was similar. It's just essentially yeah. like the worst high ankle sprain you could ever have, dislocating your ankle. Um, Sam just went through this. He's recovering. He's going to come back soon. Uh, what are you hearing from there? Is it Are they going to stick with Hoyer and ride it out until he gets back? And how long are they thinking he's going to be out? Well, okay. By the way, I, I kind of didn't answer your question earlier about Dak when you said um, – yeah, we got off. Pretty surprised. Part of it, part of it too, was with that, was that um, they never felt like, and they still don't feel like he's going to be out that long. So that was why I was surprised, but then also not that surprised when I heard that. Yeah. The second part with New England was I talked to them a couple hours ago, and they said they're. I basically was like, "Are you looking? Well, obviously you're looking at quarterbacks, but how many guys are you going to bring in?" They were like, "We're evaluating everything." So what that to me was was I, I don't want to give you information. But also, we still don't really know how long Max going to be out. Um, I would be shocked, shocked, considering the severity of the ankle, that if they didn't bring in someone to sign. I, I don't know how they can't. At least um, a backup, right? And I, if, yeah. as long, but I think San Francisco is not anchored. I don't know if it's like a rookie or a veteran. I mean, you know, for yeah. like Carson Strong hasn't been signed since he got cut. Or maybe it's a veteran. Um, they got or the, the rookie, they got Bailey Zappi there. Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky, who they like actually a lot. Yeah. Um, but I would imagine they would bring in a veteran just to have – there's there's something to be said, right, about having guys been in the league six, seven, eight years that actually has seen enough to be able to have you – give you a comfort level. You got that in Hoyer, though. I don't know how much Hoyer has left in the tank, but you got – I mean, from a experience standpoint, Hoyer is going to give you more experience than probably anybody out there left. It's yeah. a, I feel like it's always super interesting to see what teams do when their quarterback goes down. I think everyone has a different Your philosophy. Yeah. Different philosophy. Well, like, but, but isn't obviously Hoyer is, yeah. I mean, but he's like 40 years old. So then they have Zappi who's 22, but wouldn't it make sense? Wouldn't it behoove them Kyle to bring in someone who was like 30 that has seen enough, has started a few games. And isn't there a comfort level that you get just from having that person in the building? Just slight flex on the word behoove, by the way. That's a big time word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good little, it's a good little nugget. It's a good little nugget. I, I'm not gonna lie. I was on the, I was on the thesaurus about 25 minutes ago. Yeah, just. Uh, sorry, I didn't hear the rest of your question. I got stuck at behoove. I was just saying, having someone that's 28 or 30, that's got to be beneficial, just comfort yeah. wise. Well, the the first name that comes to mind is Garrett Gilbert. He he was in New England for a while. Yeah. He has started a couple games around the league, so. I could see them maybe bringing him back in, but yeah. wasn't he at Texas and then Houston like you or SMU? He went to SMU. He was SMU. He went. Yeah. 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 SMU. Um, all right. So one final question before we get to the segment, you're an insider. You're now a quarterback insider after this conversation. Right. I'm, I'm a guru. Right. Would you like to be our official quarterback insider for our show? I would be tremendously honored. Wow. That's a big deal. It'd be an honor for me to get right. to get the information that I can relay in terms of listen that they're they're in a shell right now and what they're going to do. <laughs> no, not that inside information. I, I know. I'll provide. Your, yeah. What does that mean? What What does the job entail? Um. So we're gonna have to build the relationship and the reputation like you started off with. I think we have a solid foundation that can only go up from here. But you know, if you ever have any like quarterback press, stuff. Quarterback, 
news. Like, say they signed somebody in New England, you know? Just come, same thing Gronk did for you. Just come on. Just come on. I would be, I would be, I'd be honored. What All about, right. like, you know, I heard, uh, trying to think of something funny, like, maybe it's like a guy signs a, con- a quarterback, you know? How about this? Anytime there's quarterback news that's relevant, I'll <laughs> come on the show and we'll just chop it up for 10, 15 minutes. That's great. That's all I needed to hear. So we you can officially put you on the Instagram too as our uh, official. I would be, I, I would be honored. I mean, this is, this is kind of, I feel like Jordan Palmer is supposed to, I thought that was him. Well, he's not an insider per se. He may, uh, he's got a lot of info on the college football side, but this is, right. this is your job. Like he's, he has built up those relationships, but I think you're, you're in deeper, you know? I mean, I'm in it every day. That's true. Um, and I want to be, I want to be a great one, you know? So we love that. You're going to be a great one. How old are you, Kyle? How old are you, Kyle, now? 27? 26. 26. So you probably – you feel like you want to play 10, 10 more years? I don't know about 10. All right, 10. so let's say seven. Seven more years. Okay. So what do you think you'd want to do post-football? I think something like this, man. I think I'm trying to get this whole media side of things started. and So smart. Um, do it while you're playing. Yeah, you know, I think I know, like, there's so many relationships we've built – goes back to relationships every single time. We've built so many relationships with different quarterbacks around the league and friends with a bunch of guys, you know, and we have all these conversations, you know, this kind of just started out of a thing that me and Jordan, I think a couple of years ago, me and Jordan were trying to do stuff on Twitch and figure it out. And, and so I think this is just kind of coming off of that is like, let's start this. We have all these awesome conversations. I enjoy being around these guys and talking to them. Um, I like hearing the sound of my own voice. I'll say it. Of course. It's, absolutely. We all do. You probably do. Yeah. Me more yeah. than, but yeah, I think something like this and hopefully I can play as long as I can before I do it. Well, for someone who had to retire uh, at you know 21 from basketball because exactly. I couldn't cut it at the D3 level, which I like to call, I often refer to as the D8 level, D8. Um, <laughs> on ESPN8. Yeah, on, on, on the Ocho. Yeah. I think that's awesome and obviously would love to help you any way I can, including being the official insider of the show. I appreciate it. So it is official. Um, all right, official insider. Last segment we're going to do. Um, me and Jordan usually do this segment. We're going to have you run it with me today. Call it throw it deeper, check it down. Yeah. going to give you some takes from around the league. If you like the take, if you're into it, throw it deep, hit that post. Even if it's too high, don't worry about if it's too high or not. And then if you don't like the take, we'll be checking it down to the running back, which always is a good thing too. Yeah. Right. It, it always solid. All right. First take. Odell Beckham signs back with the Rams in 2022. I'm throwing that deep. I like that. Yeah, I like that. They they want it. I think he would probably want it. He's obviously still not healthy, but he knows the offense. There's a comfort level. And to me, there's no downside to him staying with them, essentially. I heard they left his locker open, too. Yeah. 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 All right. I'm going to throw that one deep, too. I agree with you. Um, next one, friend of the show, Drake London. Do you think he will win Offensive Rookie of the Year? I just did a video on him. He is fucking awesome. Amazing. He's unbelievable. I mean, the, the full package, the size, the speed, the route, everything. Um, caught his net. He caught another touchdown. I tell you, Alave is right there, too. Yeah, um, great year so far. He is really, really good, which is no surprise. Garrett Wilson, too, another Ohio State guy. Um wouldn't be shocked if your guy DP got in the mix. Running backs put up stats. Yeah. I, uh, London is plus 600. He has the shortest odds. I He would be my pick to win it. Yeah. 
I'm just trying to think of like who else would be. It's usually it's, a quarterback, man. It's, it's, yeah. Kenny starts playing, you know. Yeah. Who knows? But um, yeah, that makes sense. I think from a defensive player of the year standpoint, it's usually a linebacker because you got to put up stats. So like a Devin Lloyd kind of player. Yeah. Or a D end if you have a lot of sacks. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I think Drake London's unbelievable. The, I'm the, throwing it deep. Uh, yeah. He's he's ridiculous. He he is ridiculous. By the way, that's that's a great point. So good. All right, next one. Ooh, here we go. Talking about Kenny Pickett, anyways. Kenny Pickett will start by week nine. <laughs> oh my god! That Hail Mary! <laughs> Listen, when they signed Trubisky. They wanted him to win the job. He he did. Mm-hmm. Um, part uh, I have been really critical of Matt Canada, their OC, um, and I thought talk about a lack of pre snap motion and creativity. There's no creativity in that offense. To me, Kyle, it has to be Kenny Pickett. Um, he was the only first round quarterback. He was supposedly the most pro ready quarterback out of the class. Mm-hmm. He's he's maybe I don't know. Trubisky's a great athlete. He's Pickett can flat out move. Um, I just don't understand why you wouldn't give him the reps. I mean, you can tell me if you're going to, I know their offensive line has problems, but is there a lot of downside to playing him from, for his confidence standpoint? This is, it's all a, a PR thing. This is my, I've built this take up for years now. When you have, when you sign Mitchell in the off season, right? Size him, you sign him to a decent deal. I mean, it's quarterback. Six, I think it was six. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nothing crazy, but you're giving them real money, right? So you need him to win that job. Like you need him to win that job because if you let Kenny go out there and play first, your first round pick, your future, right? He's going to be the future. Your first round pick. If you let him go out and he plays bad and then you bench him because he's playing bad to give him a break or whatever. And then Mitch goes in. That is just the shittiest way to start your career, right? That's a tough way to start. Do it on the flip side, right? If you have Mitch start, right? Plays good. If he plays good, great. That's awesome. If he doesn't play good, you're playing into your own hand. You can phase him out, and then the rookie comes in after sitting a couple games, and everyone's waiting for him, right? They want Kenny. They want Kenny. He's going to be all sure. So I've been a part of it in a, in a couple different ways. You know, it was – and it's just from a PR perspective, there's no reason to start him right away. And it's so weird to say that with, like, football. Yeah. But it's political. But, okay, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, I guess if he's not – um, just thinking the worst case scenario, right, is if he comes out of the gate, he starts and he's really bad. The team stinks. They're, I mean, that, they know they're not a contending team right now. They know they're not a contending team, but wouldn't those reps be so helpful for him? They would, but it's it's just it's all political, man. It's like you gotta like put the guy out, the older guy out there first, and let him fail. It's the same thing with Dalton and Fields in Chicago. Sure, sure. You gotta, you gotta put that guy out there, and then if he does great, it's great. If he does bad, okay, it's time for our rookie to come in and save the day. Like he's our franchise. Like come in and and help us out and be that guy. And then they're gonna give him all the support, and all the fans are gonna be cheering. Like they're gonna be itching for him. And it, and it's the it, one. No, yeah, the, you know when that didn't happen though. Seattle, Seattle signed Matt Flynn to a mega deal like ten years ago. Yeah, they drafted Russell Wilson, and. To Pete Carroll's credit, who you know I've also been critical of, yep. he started him, and that that worked out pretty well. Crazy. I'm not saying that KP is Russell Wilson, but that is an example of when it worked out really well. And that takes balls for a head coach to do too, because you do that, 
bad, then it's whose decision is that? It's your decision, you know? So it's all about like, there's a lot more covering your ass in the league from a coach and GM perspective too. It's also like in college, for example, I walked on at Seattle U, even though I thought I was better than half the guys, they're on scholarship. So they need them to fail a lot to get mm-hmm. the walk on the opportunity. Yep. I completely agree. You don't, you don't have to experience that as you didn't have to walk on. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Sorry, man. I didn't. I don't you were like the number one quarterback. You know, it's a little different for us, uh, you know, earthlings. I essentially walked on in the NFL. Don't worry about it. All right. Well, you, you made it. Undrafted free agent. We're good. All right. A couple more. Um, Malik Willis will start by week six. What's your take? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that down. I mean, Tannehill played pretty well week three. He was awful week two. He was awful week one. Um, God, that's close. I'm going to check it down. Because they still believe, as the number one seed last year in the AFC, they believe, whether it's true or not, that they have a contending roster. And if you bring in Malik Willis, you're now saying that you're not giving up, but you basically are saying, we know we're not going to be as competitive as with as we would with a veteran like Tannehill. Yeah, I also don't think he's nearly as ready as the other guys. I think he's ridiculously talented, and I think he could end up like a guy like Lamar, but... I just, from watching his tape in the preseason, I just think that if he went out there in that type of offense, which is a turnaround and hand the ball off to Derrick Henry and then run play action off of that, I just don't know if that's his game yet. So I'd agree with you on that one. Check it down. That's really interesting. I I can't make that. Like, I don't know enough to know that, but that's super interesting. Okay. Last one, and then we'll let you go. Jimmy Garoppolo plays for a new team in 2023. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw that deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, like I don't know if that's a hill Mary, but I like it. I mean, they restructured his deal. He's making seven, eight, or whatever it is this year. Um, who knows what the future holds with Trey Lance? But man, I he I just can't imagine a situation where he's back there next season. He would have to play incredibly well, and they would have to make another deep run for that to even be remotely possible. Or the other way around, he plays really bad and he has no offers from Okay. You know, but it's the same it's the same thing either one way or the other. But I I completely it, I'm throwing Yeah, it's again like I don't know enough about the quarterback position, just like with Willis to like identify if he's playing well or if he's not or if it's the line. But to me he looks he just looks like a you know, a placeholder. I mean, respectfully. Yeah, he, he struggled a little bit the other night, but it's really weird. He wasn't in camp the whole time. I heard they weren't giving him any like installs. Any rep? Yeah. Well, he wasn't even practicing. He was off to the side with right. people the whole time. Right, because they didn't want – there was a lot there. Yeah. Did you feel like the, – but the Denver pass rush is really tough, right? I mean, they, they have Gregory and Chubb. And played Denver week two and they, they were stout. I mean, we scored nine points. You know, like they're a good defense and they're, they know what they're doing. So And is, is special. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. All right, Jordan. Thank you. The official insider of the show. Appreciate you coming hey, on hey. short notice, man. This is awesome. Can, can, we just, can you just promise me that you're going to come back to the Hamptons and we're going to throw routes again? I'm going to run routes. You let me know when so I can take your ass on in tennis too. You're trash at tennis. I'll definitely get you in that. Trash at tennis. I'll you're garbo. You, I'll let you know. Don't pull your hamstring out there if I come out and throw routes, all right? I, I appreciate it. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. Can't lose! All right. Next guest we have on today, different episode, but we got our college football specialist, Pac-12 specialist, um, 
guy, honestly, who I grew up knowing from afar, not really from close, but um, Max Brown, former number one quarterback in 2013. I was a class of 2014. So I remember following you. I remember back in those days, I was obsessed with the high school rankings. Oh, I was yeah. freaking every offer I got out to every uh, reporter I could find, but number one, the quarterback in class of 2013, 2013 Gatorade national player of the year. You know, you've kind of documented your college football career a lot and, and you've had a, a colorful one, but you've seemed to come to terms with it. And I can relate to you a lot on the transfer situation and not playing and the ups and downs a lot. So I think that side of the story is cool, but um, I'm pumped to talk to you about college football and college football quarterbacks right now. So thanks for coming on, dude. Of course, man. Yeah, no, good to, good to link up. Definitely mutual respect. The respect goes uh, both ways for sure. And it's, it's funny, I teased it off air, but uh, I remember meeting you back at uh, the Northern California uh, NFTC way back in like 20. And I, I actually, I'm, I'm positive it was you. So I don't know if you remember, but uh, Northern California NFTC back in what, the summer of 2012. And I remember you were like the hotshot dude in the grave behind me. And I'll never forget, uh, you had the Cam Newtons, the high top Cam Newtons. Yep, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking, I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, and I was like pocket passer, like zero, zero dual threat in me at all. But I was like, dude, I can't wear the high top Cam Newtons. But that, that class was, or that whole camp was loaded. That was the oh. first time I ever dueled it with Jared Goff. That was like his home, home ground. And uh, Sefo Lufa was there, the Colorado quarterback, Luke Del Rio. But I, I remember that was the first time, uh, I don't know if I ever actually met you, but I think we were in the same, same group and then mutual friends, obviously, years later. But uh, yeah, it's funny, man. See, I didn't believe you. I, I didn't think I'd ever met you. Even when you said it off air, I was like, man, I don't remember it. But saying the Cam Newtons, the, you're definitely spot on. I was such a douchebag in those Cam Newtons. That, that was your thing, man. That was your thing. And you, were you a dual threat guy coming out of, coming out of high school? I, okay. I had like rushing touchdowns my entire high school career, dude. I couldn't gotcha. run to save my life. You and I, me maybe in the maybe same that's way. just me. I associate those cleats uh, with you have to have some sort of mobility, which I did not have. So I stuck with the... Yeah whatever Nikes were hot at that, that time. I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't, you know, I was trying to get the, the most athleticism out of myself. I could, I told, you know, it's funny. My rookie year, I played with cam. And so I was like, dude, this is kind of like a cool moment for me, but I wore your cleats back in high school. That's so funny. Like, oh. Is there a backstory with those cleats? Like those had its phase and then they have not come back. Dude, they were, I mean, like they were for a while, I don't know. They were, I mean, what year was that? That was like, 2012, 20, that was pre his Super Bowl run too. So they probably had a. I guess you're right. He rocked with them forever. I guess I just, uh, like, they're so unique where it was like a whole spat job built into a cleat where I'm sure you either loved him or hated him. You should have seen his pregame cleat, shoulder pad, like shin pad, bicep pad routine. The dude probably gained 20 pounds before putting on anything of his uniform. How, how much of it was swag and how much of it was legit? I need to protect myself. Well, I've never seen someone. He had pads coming out of his shoulder pads, like over his biceps on his throwing arm. And I'm like, how are you, how are you even functioning out here? And then the shin pads, the shin pads, those had to be swag, right? I, I could never, I could never even throw with the tight, like traditional Nike. That was goofy. I remember yeah. Darnold and I always talk about this at SC because he had, I don't know what he has now, but he had like the QB sleeve. And like the half one, you don't want the full like droopy Peyton Manning, but you want like, at least for me, the little like half, half cut. I could never do. And it was, I remember always looking at Deshaun Watson and he would be like, 
the mm-hmm. athletic shoulder pad. And I was like, dude, how are you thrown with that? Yeah, you cut the armpit. See, you know, yeah, exactly. You know the deal. But I do. I don't. I don't like. So we were playing Chicago this weekend, and I'm just like, I think they're on offense, and we're on on the bench, and I'm just kind of watching over on their sideline. I look over and and I see Trevor Simeon, and he has the loose sleeve, but it's like almost over his elbows, and I'm just like dying laughing. I'm like, this dude does not give a fuck. Over like, how does that? I guess at a certain point in an NFL locker room, like everyone's just kind of their own dude. I would think that someone would be on him on his skull. Like, dude, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta trim that down, especially when you're not Peyton Manning. But I guess he's he's been around the block a few times. It's kind of dad swag at that point, though, too. You know, it's just like you you True. start going comfort over actual swag and it's so funny the, the reason this is front of mind too i saw the broncos quarterback picture it's with russell who's you know he's a little docky brick house type of dude and then brett rippon has that mm-hmm. shoulder sleeve and with no shoulder pads so you talk about it like going down to the elbow and then you have no shoulder pads with it so it's even more sloppy and he made a joke about himself and i was like all right respect you uh, you know the deal yeah he's he's a good dude too that was Russell, he's an interesting character. He came up to us pre-game. We played them two weeks ago, and we were standing in a circle. It was me, quarterback coach, like EQ guy, and then like another front office guy that was just hanging out, working out. And he and I've played him before, so he came up and was like, "Hey, what's up? Like, good to see you." Like, I was like, "Oh, maybe he remembers me." Like, "Oh, what's up?" And then he goes and daps up every single person in the circle. Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? How you doing? Good to see you, man. Yeah, great day for ball. Great day for ball. Every single person in the circle, and then he's just out, and we're all standing there looking at each other, like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I met Russ like right when he first got on the Seahawks, and you mentioned the Gatorade Award. Like, he spent a whole night with me. I got nothing but love for Russ. He like presented that whole award, and you know, first class. But I'll say, like, as the years have gone on, like, I don't know if behind the scenes all that was always you know known between NFL oh. players, but it feels like really this off season. Guys are, uh, you know, looking under the hood and being like, "All right, this is uh, this is really what uh, what he's about." Which, hey, everyone's got their own pace. As long as it's <laughs> genuine, that's my biggest thing. As long as it's genuine, that's uh, that's all I care about. Which I know some people are kind of on the fence about. I mean, it works. He wins. Um, all right. Well, let's hop into some Pac-12 quarterback stuff. You're with Pac-12 Network right now. Um, obviously, played at USC. Um, live in California right now. And so um, I don't know much about college football right now. You know, I, I hear a lot of it from Jordan. I, I watch as much as I can on Saturday. But from what it sounds like this year in the quarterback position in the Pac-12, ton of transfers, right? We got Caleb Williams, uh, Michael Penix. I'm sure there's more that you can think of. Um, which one of these new guys, I mean, it's probably Caleb for you, but like out of all of them, which one are you liking the most? Yeah, I'll actually go with Michael Penix Jr., the uh, the transfer from Indiana. I mean, this dude, I called their week week uh, week two game. This dude's a stud, man, and you mentioned it. This, so, like, the Pac-12, I feel like, at least when we grew up, it was known as the Conference of Quarterbacks, and a lot of kids coming from California, and, like, even middle-tier Pac-12 teams had a guy on their roster that, or their starter was, you know, an NFL-caliber dude. And last year, the conference was down um, in a big way. Like, the, it was, the quarterback play was not high. And then you have basically seven transfers come in. You got wow. Washington State with Cam Ward. You got Washington with Michael Penix. You got Oregon with Bo Nix. Uh, Chance Nolan yep. was once upon a time a transfer. Actually, that might be out there. Uh, but then Cal with Jack Plummer, who started at Purdue. 
You got USC with Caleb Williams. You got Arizona State with Emory Jones. You got Arizona yep. with Jaden Delora, um, who I think is low-key underrated at the college ranks. Um, and then Colorado as well. Utah's guy was a former transfer. So transfers everywhere. Shows the different difference in culture. But Penix is a stud, man. And, uh, you know, there's something to be said about left-handed quarterbacks, too. It looks different. It looks, uh, it looks Look. more smooth. But uh, it's just... He hasn't had an errant throw, and he's getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And it's funny, all the hype that people were buying last year with Washington that did not come to fruition now is coming to fruition, and his receivers are balling and whatnot. And it just feels like those one-on-one kind of level two balls, whether whether it's a slot fade, whether it's a back shoulder go ball on the sideline, whether it's you know throwing a corner out open, he's literally always on the money. And uh, on that note as well, I think we'll – Ryan Grubb is an offensive coordinator in the college ranks, his play caller. That dude's elite, man. That dude is making things flow together. He'll run speed option on one play out of 12 personnel and then get into empty and run a whole different pass concept, and he makes it look effortless. So that's a name that uh, folks need to watch as a next, uh, next head man, dude. Washington's kind of always, like, low-key, even on the front end of, like, modern offenses. I think I remember when I was in college, when we were in college, um, when Jake Browning was there, they, we would watch like their touchdown reel from whatever that year was before, because they were like doing all the craziest shit there. Um, yeah. so shout out to OC. But, um, uh, when you talk about Michael Penix too, I think a lot of people, and especially when they're watching college football, like all they want to see is like the crazy plays, like the awesome throws, like the great runs, like Bo Nix is such a hell of an athlete makes a lot of great plays, also turns the ball over a lot, makes a lot of crazy plays. But from what it sounds like you're saying about Penix, like it's the consistency of the quarterback position and making like the right decisions and throwing people open, like you said, is probably more important than making those big plays, don't you think? Without a doubt. One of the biggest things when I'm evaluating college quarterbacks and like, oh, do they translate to the next level is how – often are you consistently having to make contested throws and what i mean by that is like it's all completion percentages are not created equal you can you can boost your your completion percentage at the college ranks with bubble screens and some easy rpos and when your offensive coordinator is scheming it up for you a perfect example and not that necessarily you will do that or but maybe your listeners will go back and watch justin herbert's college film his receivers were not that good at oregon and he consistently had to throw guys open and consistently make, hey, a defender's on the left shoulder. I got to throw you open on the right shoulder. And he makes it look easy, right? And the average fan is just like, oh, of course, right? The receiver's open. He's throwing it. But no, that 10-yard snap route is not equal to Oregon State's 10-yard snap route where the corner is three yards off. Like, how often are you asked to do that as a quarterback? I always pay attention to that. And, you know, Penix is, you know, making uh, contested throws consistently every game. Maybe that's why people were surprised with Herbert that don't do that kind of research. I know I was surprised when he went six. I didn't know much about him. Like, I wasn't a big Pac-12 guy. I didn't think much of him. He kind of came off as like a shell at the beginning, like a sheltered, like to himself kind of dude. And, and he didn't have a bunch of crazy highlights, but like everyone in the NFL was on him at number six, I think that's a really interesting point you make. And to that fact, other than Penix, other than a guy like Herbert a couple of years ago, who do you see in college football right now? Not only in the PAC 12, but just in college football, the whole 
that you think is really going to translate to the league other than some of these top guys? The past month has made me a, a Caleb Williams believer, and it's going to be like, ah, oh, classic, Max, USC. But when he was coming from Oklahoma, I was like, how much of that is just Lincoln Riley scheming things up? And how much of that, like, is him just being a good college quarterback versus translating to the next level? And look no further than the game-winning throw he had last week against USC. Like, they're coming out of the huddle. He hasn't played well the entire game. That being said, his floor is still turnover-free football. It's still, you know, trying to be aggressive down the field, but hasn't played well, doesn't have his best stuff, and late in the game rips a hole shot against three cloud. It looks like cover two. It's three clouds. So that's a tight, tight window to the field. No hesitation, just rips it. And just the recognition of that as a still a young quarterback, the confidence to pull that trigger even when he wasn't playing well, and then to me, the thing that I've noticed this past month is the arm strength. I think that translates to the next level. To me, when I was watching him at Oklahoma, it looked a little bit like point guard mentality where he's just kind of, you know, mixing mm-hmm. the ball around and there's open guys and layering the football. He can rip it now. And he's got that, uh, we talk about Russell Wilson, that sturdy Russell Wilson film. I think uh, next year, this time next year, he's going to be the top dude and every, uh, has every reason to be so. Yeah, he's got one. He's sophomore this year, right? So he needs one more year before he comes out. Yeah, exactly. Keep him in college for a little bit. We don't. We don't need him up here yet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Keep him down there. Um. Well, to that point, who do you think? I think, from my perspective, I know we talked about this before, but from my perspective, there's a lot of teams who scheme guys open, like you said, and there's a lot of quarterbacks that put up a lot of really big numbers for these good teams who, who their coaches do a really good job of scheming them open. Is there anyone you can think of in college football right now that you think may struggle at the next level just because they need to develop more and they're, they're not getting that kind of development in college? Yeah, it's always tough because I'm you know, not trying to be like a hater per se, but the guy that does jump out to me is K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas, um, only because, not because he's not a good college quarterback, but when you look at, okay, how do you translate to the next level? I mean, you know better than, than, than I do, but it comes down to, you know, what can you do on third and eight when you're forced to stand in the pocket, you're forced to utilize your brain, and you're forced to throw a receiver open? And there's no scheme. There's no, hey, I'm faster than most. There's no, I'm bigger than most. Like, it's got to be you and your right arm behind center. And I don't know if he had on a consistent basis is throwing guys open like that, um, is processing to that level where, hey, he is getting to his third and fourth progression like that. And once again, really good college quarterback. But right. the data doesn't lie of it comes down to that little, little tidbit that, that, that makes the biggest difference. So he's a guy that, that sticks out to me. For, to be honest, I, I stick largely with Pac-12, so I do need to dabble with those guys. A guy that is interesting, though, is Tanner McKee, the Stanford quarterback. I've talked with uh, David Shaw, and without hesitation, he'll be like, oh, yeah, he's the next great. Like, yep. I've seen, he's seen Luck, he's seen Hogan, who had a decent little uh, stint in the NFL, and he's like, yep, he, he's, he's a first-round guy. Yet, no one out West is talking about him. You look at 2023 NFL rankings, some sites have him as like a top-five guy, and other sites, he's not even in the top 20. And so you talk about like his roster's not, not that good around him, he's not playing that great this past month. But I know you play with a, a Stanford QB, like, those guys wired a little bit different. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Hall of Fame quarterback, but I do yeah. think there's a world where he hangs around an NFL roster and we look back 
two years from now, like, oh yeah, of course he played. Does he look like every Stanford quarterback to ever come out of Stanford? He's he's got the he. I'll say this, he sounds like every Stanford quarterback. He uh, is he a t- dude with a big ass left knee brace, and that looks exactly like Andrew Luck. When he he's tall for sure. I think he's. I think that the Stanford QBs may have graduated from the knee brace days, which. Oh, you know what Davis told me? Davis Davis Mills, quarterback of our team, played at Stanford. He said that Shaw asked them if they should still be wearing the knee braces. And Davis finally told him no. He said the knee braces are bullshit. Stop wearing them. So shout out to Davis. Shout for out that. to David Shaw. I used to always hate when I was playing and uh like, oh Max, you can't slide. Like, cause I had the left knee brace and I would always slide and then get like caught in the turf. And like, oh Max, yeah. you dumbass, like you can't slide. Like, oh, go play baseball. And I was like, Dude, it's not that I don't know how to slide. It's literally just the knee brace. And so <laughs> you look like an idiot out there. You're trying to protect yourself. You're really just hurting yourself. Exactly. He's about to get chopped off at the knee. Um, so when we talk about more Pac-12 stuff, who do you think? I mean, obviously, I think everyone thinks USC is the team to beat right now, which is good for USC. It hasn't been that way in a while. Who do you think the team and the quarterback that gives them the most fits are? Like I watched Utah play Florida early in this year. And I remember watching Utah play Ohio state last year in the Rose bowl. And that kid looked like a little baller. He was a little scrappy dude. Like is yeah. that a team or is there another team that you think is the one that's going to, that USC really needs to get by? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that too. Cause that Rose bowl game, that was his best game by far last year. And I think he's kind of come down to earth a little bit. Um, he's still a good college quarterback, but you know, there was Heisman talk before the year, and I think that's that's tempered, obviously. Uh, I still think Utah is actually the best team in the conference. Um, I think it's Utah and then USC right below it. I think Washington's number three. And to me, because of what we talk about with Penix, I think they're going give, to uh, give teams the biggest fits. And then Oregon after that. And then even though Oregon State and Washington State, they lost last week, I mean, it's still only September. I still think there's a scenario where they, uh, they have a shot about a shot at playing in Vegas for the conference championship. So those six teams, it speaks to the conference being uh, much more competitive. Um, and then Cal, Arizona, and Stanford after that, they all have decent quarterbacks, good quarterbacks. They're going to beat some people. So the conference top to bottom, I know when you're not in the West Coast, mm-hmm. people, uh, you know, dog on it. And uh, in some regard for the performance the past few years, I get it. This year, it's a, it's a different story. So don't don't sleep on those uh, on those top teams. Some good football being played out here. It's been a tough reputation for the Pac-12 as of late. I'm not gonna lie. Pac-12 after dark too. Is it, didn't Pac-12 after dark go away? I saw some tweet that Pac-12 after dark went away. Maybe it's still did around. it go away? I mean, they still. That's the talk out in LA is they still schedule SC for like that 7:30 slot a bunch. So I think I think it's still alive. Um, but I don't actually. The true, like, actual Pac-12 after dark was, like, the 8.30 or 8 kicks or something like yeah. that. That might be a way. But there's still night games, West Coast. East Coasters are watching at a bar type of thing. What are we doing about the fan situation in L.A.? Like, what are we doing about UCLA games and even USC games with Lincoln Riley there? I remember watching, seeing the first game and for Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, new USC. They gave him $100 million and two houses and bought his other two houses and gave him a private jet. And there's nobody at the game. Like, what's the deal? You live in, you live in uh, OC, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thank God I don't live. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm up here in Culver city. Um, I mean, you know the deal, like it's just football to the average sports fan means more in the Southeast, in the Midwest, LA, you got some fair weather fans. You got fans that are uh, 
you know, they got other things to do. I think part of that's just the nature of, uh, of being in LA for, for UCLA. I think they need to move their games to SoFi stadium. Um, for those that don't know the kind of geographic locations of that from Westwood to Pasadena in traffic, like part uh, of a Saturday, that's like a 40 minute drive. Like that's, that's yeah. rough for any student. You talk about, Hey, if you're drinking and have a good time too, like, that to me is no secret why they can't get fans. It's still unfortunate and rough, but like you go to SoFi, people can Uber much more realistic. Yeah. I mean, I, I still think you're not going to get, you know, 80,000 strong, but I think it would help SC. Hey, love them or hate them. SC fans, fair weather at times. If SC is in contention, that thing's going to, that thing's going to fill up. Great weather. It's never been better weather in the last five years for those fans. That's what's surprising me. And they're putting so much effort into it too. I just don't. I mean, it's been, it, it's been rough the past five years, the past five weeks, maybe not, yeah. but uh, yeah, I guess so. They need, they little, need a little bit more. It's too much going on in LA. That's always tough, man. Yeah. I mean, we played, uh, we played in SoFi in preseason and there's a lot of Texans fans there. Yeah. Not, Rams fans there. And that's fresh off of a Rams Super Bowl too. Like I think it was their home opener, which is crazy. Just LA man. And stuff. It's only, only so much you can do. SC is much more optimistic. Um, they also, with their stadium renovation, there's 20,000 less seats. So visually when they do the flyover, you know, you just have 20,000 less seats to fill, which I guess probably isn't a compliment right now when they're not filling it. But when SC's, you know, consistently at the top, it'll be easier to fill up. All right. I'm going to get one more thing and then we're going to go into our last segment and let you go tonight. Um, we're going to talk a little bit NIL, especially in California. I don't know how deep you are in the NIL world, but I'm sure you are with all this stuff going on, especially at USC and all these other schools. But what's been coming out is there's been a lot of like surprising, but makes sense. A lot of these guys are transferring high schools to come out and play high school in California strictly because of NIL money and you are a number one quarterback coming out. I was number one quarterback coming out. What's funny in our quarterback room is Jeff Driscoll, who was number one coming That's out. Right. I think the year before you, and then Davis Mills was number one, I think in like 2015 or 16. Right. So we had this conversation the other day about, we would have had so much money, dude. Like we would have been rich. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that. what do you think about guys like actually transferring States for NIL money, do you think like good for them or do you think it's bad for the sport? Well, see, it's funny because and this is like interesting because like you guys and you've earned it 100%, but you guys have like got the money on the back end. Guys like mm -hmm. me, like I never, I never played pro. I, did, I didn't make it. I didn't get it done. So I never like, like the, the thought process that like, oh, like when I was in high school, I don't think I would have transferred because my mindset would have been, oh, I'll make it, I'll make it later on, right? I'll make, yep. I'll, I'll play three years and I'll win the Heisman and I'll get drafted number one overall and I'll get my money later. Like jokes on me now where it's like, Oh, well maybe I should have, you know, taken advantage when you were 17 and 18 and like the, the hottest thing ever. Um, but I don't think I would have transferred. Um, I forget exactly what you asked right there, but it would have been, uh, it would have been hard. I, I went into high school, uh, public high school was ingrained in that community yeah. and I would have been like, Hey, I'll make it later on. 
Yeah. I think that's a good point is like you, the mindset of us in high school was like, this is a pipe dream, right? We're, we're in this for the long haul and we're at a great start right now. Like we're number one, like there's no way it's not going to go right. You know, and obviously you, you and my stories are perfect examples of that, but I guess it's like the way I like kind of look at NIL and we've had conversations with a lot of different people about NIL over the first six or seven episodes, but I just don't see the negative in kids getting their money, you know? Like if you're going to be worth it, if some company thinks you're worth it, if some school thinks you're worth it, like, go get your fucking money. But you need someone to help you like make sure you do the right things with that money. That's the only thing I say. And I think a lot of kids are hiring agents and hiring financial advisors right now, which is good to see. Yeah. To me, like right with you on that, the sketchy part for me is when you start getting these third parties involved and we saw it in the recruiting, but like the seven on seven era bump back in like 2013, 14, where now like that was your AAU team and all these third Mm -hmm. party coaches and trainers and all that started getting involved and either directly or indirectly, like taking a cut of that. Like that's where it it can get slimy. There's a lot of great people in that world, but there's also people looking at it from a business opportunity, which is always dicey. Like when a kid is uprooting his life from Georgia with his family, moving out to California just for NIL, and someone's taking a 10% fee off of that, that's where like, you know, it. for every kid that makes it, I'm worried there's a kid that might get burned. And I think it's just on the person making that decision to just have the awareness of, you know, is this for real or not? But no, I'm right with you. Go get your money. I can't tell you how many teammates I have, right? USC, class of 2013, five-star guys that never, never made it to the NFL. And, you know, good dudes working away right now at 27, but weren't able to capitalize off of, uh, when others were capitalizing off of it and making money, they didn't see, uh, didn't see a dime for it. So when the money's there, I gotta, gotta go get it. Yeah. It's a weird situation. I think we'll look back on it in 10 years and have it all figured out and be like, what the fuck's everybody doing? But, um, all right, well, finish off with a segment that me and Jordan always do throw it deeper, check it down. You could probably figure it out being a quarterback. We're going to go through. I've seen this one. I've seen this on, uh, on social. I don't, I don't need to explain it to you then. All right. So we're going to start for the listeners, throw a deep check down. You know the deal. Okay. First one. All right. We're going to do some NFL stuff. We'll do some college stuff too. We asked our other guests this today. Do you think Kenny Pickett will be a starter by week nine? Week nine. When's their, uh, when's their bye week? Did they already have it? No, they didn't have it. Uh, I am, I am throwing it long. I'm, uh, that means taking it, right? Yeah, I said I knew what, I, what the format was, but that's, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's true, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, my guy, Kenny Pickett, former teammate, used to be in a quarterback yeah. room as him. Uh, great dude, pulling for him. Uh, I'm, I'm throwing it long, baby. Yeah, it's a good take. He was on the show a couple of weeks ago. I forgot you guys were there at Pitt, but I we like took it. A, we um, took our official visit on the same weekend. I was the grad transfer old guy buying the beer and... Uh, there he was go. the young guy with the Justin Bieber haircut, uh, just hanging out. I remember, I'll never forget that up on the, on Semple Street, pointing out things shake out. Yeah, you were essentially the host, but on your official visit, huh? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Buying Yingling brewskis at the the corner store on my own official visit. Keeping it nice and classy. I like it. <laughs> All right, next one. Another former teammate of yours. Um, do you think Sam Darnold starts this year? my Panther knowledge has been uh, minimal. Um, I'll throw it deep as well. Um, Sammy D, that's my guy, man. I, I still am hoping and thinking that he'll get another shot to start and uh, and give a run at it. But 
one just with Baker's uh Baker's history of running around and maybe getting himself into some trouble. I think uh I think I think Sam gets a gets a shot at it. I'm taking that. I like it. I'm hoping he does too. I'm throwing it deep. I think Sammy D he's our guy. So we, we really hope for him. And I think he was he was set to have a really good year. I know I spent a lot of time with him in the offseason and he was had a great offseason, was ready to go. So bummed to see how the year started for him, but I think it's gonna go better. So we'll go back to the college ranks. Um, this one's about Ed Orgeron. Do you think Ed Orgeron is going to coach somewhere in the next three years? Head coach or just physically coach? Well, this is physically coach. Physically coach. Uh, I'm throwing that deep. Eddie O is wired as a football coach. That dude is wired to recruit. I think he'll coach somewhere. I think in this new social media era that we're in, some of his antics and personality, like someone... That's going to embrace that, but it's not as like big of a deal as maybe it would have been five, 10 years ago. So he coaches somewhere. He's too good of a recruiter and it would be too big of a resource for some program looking for a D-line coach. He's the best recruiter, right? He was at USC when you were going there, right? Or getting recruited there? He was. He was the like national recruiting guy too. So he would, uh, I mean, he, he loves doing that. He would, and we were in sanctions too. I remember he flew up. I saw him in uh, the hallway at Skyline High School, and it was funny. Kyle, I'm sure you had the, the same version of this, but uh, like coaches come to your high school, and they they're not at back then. They're not supposed to talk to you, but you like run into them, and you're like high school coach's office or whatever. For uh, SC was in sanctions, so everyone was all buttoned up. Don't want to break a single rule. And I remember like waving to him across the cafeteria because like we couldn't have any contact, and it was the only school that did that. Every other school. Kind of broke the rule by uh, running into him, uh, running into you at uh, your coach's office. That was like the best part of the day, or like when you were getting recruited. At least for me, it was like the office would call the classroom, and they'd be like, um, "Kyle, you need to be seen in the, the football office." And I yep. walk out like I was the coolest dude ever, and be like, "See you, see your losers later." And then I go and hang out in the football office for like an hour and a half with some random coach and just get out of class all day. That was the best. Mine, mine was like right next to the cafeteria too. So you kind of like walk through all the people, and they they come up, uh, you know, all suited and booted. Yeah, that was uh, that was sweet. I'll never forget getting uh, the call from Saban too in art class. Wow, my my. Uh, my high school football coach like comes bursting through the door and like disrupts the class. And I could tell like, all right, this is something different. Like my, my, my high school coach is on one. Um, that was, that was like a little blindside moment, like the movie blindside that I'll never, uh, never forget. I would have been nervous as shit if I didn't know Saban was supposed to be there. And then he came, I still would have been if Saban like walked in my door and how I'd be so nervous. All right. Um, last one, another college one, Steve Sarkeesian at Texas. Were you ever with Sark at USC? Oh yeah. Yep. Whole time. Okay. So Steve Sarkeesian, obviously a great coach. I think he's an awesome coach and hopefully he's got through a lot of his stuff, but do you think that he is going to take Texas to the college football playoff before it expands? I do not. No, I do not. And I guess that expansion thing is it could be four years. People are talking about it speeding up and it may be even being before that, like what, two years or so. I don't think so. I think, uh, to be a top four team, they actually lost last week as well. Um, I think Sark has him on the right track. I think he's got himself on the right track, which is great. But I do not think they got enough firepower to get there, especially because, like, you talk about probably like two SEC teams a year. Yep. I, I actually think the Pac-12. 
I feel confident the Pac-12 would get one this year ahead of the Big, the big 12, just with the four teams right now. Um, undefeated, or I guess three, and then a, a quality team. I feel like they've got to factor that part in. Yeah. Just the before. But no, I like what Sark's got, but I'm, uh, I'm checking that down to B. John Robinson and uh, saying it's not going to happen. We love check downs. All right. Uh, bonus one before you leave. Um, do you think Max Brown could take any Pac-12 football play-by-play announcer in one-on-one basketball? Yes or no? Check it down. So I got, I got, you're, you're checking that down. You're doubting my, uh, my b-ball <laughs> skills. Uh, so it's me versus Yogi Roth, who's my neighbor. He lives like right over there. Um, 100% beating him in one-on-one basketball. Yo, you're going to see this. And you, the, the inside-out game for me, the post-presence, the little Chase Buttinger action I got, you know? Um, also just match in general. Yeah, exactly. And then who else? Oh, wait, this could be an issue. The number two play-by-play guy is NFL Hall of Famer Lincoln Kennedy, who is probably 120 pounds heavier than me. So. I don't know how his touch is. Actually, I don't know. I mean, he's a big dude. I'm a skinny dude. He's a big dude. Um, if his post game is nice, I don't know. But I'm still getting there. I got, I got the little outside game. I am uh, throwing it deep. I got, I got both those guys. I respect it. I'll beat you in a three-point shooting contest, though. No chance you beat me in that. Honestly, ever since I stopped playing AAU, I became like a – defensive guy that like knocks down open threes. I'm not, uh, I don't know if you're like, are you better than Darnold? You better than Darnold at basketball? Sam's fucking incredible at basketball. Okay. I wasn't sure what kind of level you're talking about. No, Sam's so, I'm not at that level at all. Sam's like, if people people don't know this, but Sam is a baller. I think he averaged like 25, 30 in high school. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm not at that level either. I can, uh, I can hold my own enough to beat those guys, but not Darnold or any other dud. All right. Well, respect. Well, thanks, Max, for coming on. Appreciate you. Hopefully we can have you on some more during the season. Talk college football because uh, Jordan knows a lot with all the with all those college quarterbacks that he works with. But for me, I'm just watching random games on Saturday. So I'm trying to find people to root for. Yep. Love that. No, thanks for having me on. Good to uh, good to link up and always following you guys online. So keep it up. All right. Appreciate it, man. We'll see you later. You smiling? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football. Ball's fun. That was interesting. Three different perspectives on the quarterback position. Um, I hope you guys enjoy that as much as I did. I think it's always very cool to just kind of dive into people's thoughts on quarterback play and quarterbacks around the league and kind of what's going on. And even in college with Max and just get other people's opinions on it, because I think everyone has a different opinion on the position and it is the most important position in sports. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. I wanted to get a show out for you guys. Me and George still wanted to get a show out. Um, didn't want to leave you guys hanging. So let us know what you thought of that format. Let us know what you thought of the different guests on there. If you'd like us to bring on um, more guests like that, um, Jordan Schultz will definitely be back on now that he is the official insider of the podcast. So shout out to Jordan and hopefully we get some good quarterback news from him in the future. But yeah, thanks for tuning in. Like I said, at the beginning, follow us on Instagram, follow us on TikTok, The Room, on Instagram, The Room with Kyle and Jordan. Um, go watch this on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, wherever you watch your shows and podcasts. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, please subscribe. And as always, finish with what we're grateful for. And for me, this week, I'm solo. Jordan's not here, but also my fiance is back home in California. She took the dog with. I'm solo. So for me, 
thankful for some peace and quiet. See you guys next week.